everybody, Mike Dempsey here for Underdog Fantasy, who are handing out $1 million in giveaways on Super Bowl Sunday. All you need is a verified Underdog account to be eligible. So sign up for Underdog Fantasy and see if you win this Sunday. Underdog Fantasy, don't forget to use promo code 1010XL. Lauren and RJ, the Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome into the Friday installment of the program, Super Bowl Friday, if you will. Frangie and Carlion, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you. Two days away from what could be an epic Super Bowl, because I've been saying that all week, it'll be lousy. It'll be like 27 3. <laughs> you know, we'll turn it off at halftime. It'll be that kind of game because I've been so excited about it. But. We are two days away from what could be a really cool Super Bowl. I think I really do. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about the game. I mean, I'm excited about the whole thing. I'm excited about the uh, you know the ads, the halftime show, everything. I'm I'm I think it's going to be a great extravaganza. I'm not even like a huge Usher fan. I mean, he's got a yeah. couple songs I like. Oh, I didn't but, know that one song. Um, yeah, that was yeah, yeah, I know it. I know yeah. it. I uh, know it very well. Yeah, that's right. actually good. If I hear that, song, if that yeah. comes on, yeah, you can I'm bust dancing. The, you're busting the uh, move. Yeah, absolutely. Carline busting the move. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, the whole the whole production, and and I do think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I mean, we know how the NFL is. As soon as you think you know something, it 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 changes. But so it certainly could be a a one sided game. But boy, I'd be shocked if Mahomes gets blown out. And the 49ers just have so much overall talent. And they don't ever get blown out. And, and the yeah. Chiefs don't really – they're not really blow-you-out team. Right. I mean, that's they've sort of morphed into – they kind of were that. Right. They were that win a shootout, and if you couldn't keep up, then they were going to beat you 38-17. to 17. They've sort of morphed into that, well, we're just going to play great defense. We have a quarterback that does not make any mistakes, and we'll end up with one point more than you do at the end of 60 minutes. And so – I, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Like I said, I think it, it ends on a walk-off field goal and the Chiefs win it. Uh, so I, I think we're headed to a great game. But like you said, that probably means we're headed to 14 to six, and and not a, and and that's that's uh, somebody kicking a field goal to to make it an eight-point game with 30 seconds left. My wife just texted me. I just want Usher to take his shirt off. That's what, oh, I got. There that's, you go. that's what I'm living yeah. with. I don't know what you're living with. Yeah. That's what. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I'm living with that. that that's, yeah. that's what I deal with in yeah. the Frangie house, Brooks. I don't know what yeah. you deal with over there. My wife just wants Usher to take his shirt off, okay? Yeah, I don't know that I've heard anyone else say that, okay, so she's, okay. she's a trailblazer. I, I will say, that. like, it is impressive. People that can honestly have, like, even, like, beyond the six-pack. Like, yeah, they've yeah. even got the I two think, muscles that yeah, are, like, yeah, think, not really in the yeah. six-pack, but you can still – it's almost like an eight. Like, it, the the dedication that it takes to to – Build your body right. to that yeah. is I, spectacular. I think abs are so overrated. <laughs> that's my take on the matter. Totally overrated. I mean, that's why I work in sports. I get to be around a, guy, a lot of guys without their shirts on, <laughs> and they do have the eight packs uh, and more. I, what's fascinating to me about the Super Bowl is the Chiefs' defense has only allowed like 10 points over the three postseason games, yet the 49ers have started slow in the last couple games and then have had to turn it on. So, it, to me, the second half, like which of those wins out? That's what I will have to figure yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, you're really right, and you you said I agree with that, and it, it'll be a second half game. And Hayes, you made a good point. Neither one of these teams are get blowout teams. That's what they're not. They're both blowout the other guy team, but they're not. They're 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 both built 
to prevent that. Because if, uh, by the way, I think the Chiefs are going to win. But if anybody won big, I would expect it to be the 49ers. I don't know why I feel that way. Uh, because I think they're almost impossible to blow out. And The I mean, Lions they, had them on the ropes, though. Yeah, well, they did, didn't they? I mean, they should have lost to Green Bay. Yeah. Let's just Correct. be honest. So, yeah. I mean, the 49ers, to me, have not looked overly They've impressive. They've charmed life. In it. And you're right, Lauren. They had them they're 24-7. 24-7? 24-7, right? Yeah. And Green Bay absolutely should have won the game. Right, right. I mean, just absolutely handed it away. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be – it'll be interesting. The thing that's interesting about San Francisco is you can't take McCaffrey out of the game even if – the Chiefs get up, let's say, 17-3 and in, in heading into the, the second half. McCaffrey's such a dangerous receiver that I don't think – I mean, it, it limits him because they're not going to run it probably as much. But he's one of those backs that you can never fully remove from the game because of how versatile he is. Yeah, and you're right about that. And he, and he he's, we said this, he and Derrick Henry are the last of the great backs. Might, maybe the last of the great backs, so we'll see. But I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl, the whole bit. I'm like you, the whole the, – the, the ads, the – the, the the national anthem, the whole bit. It's going to be, uh, for whatever reason, I feel myself more locked into this one than I have been for a while. And I believe on the countdown, we will get to see that piece that they've kind of teased on Twitter about Steve McMichael yeah. and his wife and the Hall of Fame thing. Yeah. Uh, have your tissues close by. I'll bet. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. So, so, so we'll see for, for sure. We're going to get to the Hall of Fame. Fred Taylor did not get into the Hall. Um that's the story we've all talked about today. I've got some opinions about it. I heard Hayes talking about it during the handoff. So uh, that'll be our first topic. I'm going to wait till after the break to get to it. But we'll certainly get to our thoughts about Fred Taylor not in the Hall of Fame. And I'll certainly get to that. Other things I want to talk about today. The way people are bailing on head football jobs in college is really kind of crazy. I, can, I mean, Chip Kelly couldn't wait to get out of UCLA. Now he's, he, he's resigning as the head coach of a Big Ten school to go be the coordinator at a Big Ten school. Isn't that – think about that for a second. That's resigning as the head coach of Auburn to go be the coordinator at LSU. Uh, that, that, for whatever reason, if he had resigned and then become a, had become a coordinator in the NFL, it wouldn't have jolted me as much. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, sure. This one jolts me after, after Jeff Halfley did the same thing, but at least he went to the NFL – Guys are they're jumping off ships to get out of that those head jobs. Well, this is what I'd say in this case. Chip Kelly one is very mercurial. He's an odd, odd person. Uh, so, and he has made a gargantuan sum of money coaching football. Uh, he was making big money at Oregon. Yeah, right. Obviously, he made big money to go to the Eagles. Uh, he made big money to go to San Francisco for a year and, and got the money there. He's, he doesn't sure, need the dough. So he doesn't need the dough. And honestly, you hear that UCLA wasn't overly thrilled with where he's at in the program. So I think it's a mix. I think Chip Kelly looked at it and said, okay, I, I hate being a head coach now. Uh, I don't want to have to be the middleman on million-dollar deals to get players to come here. Uh, he probably despised recruiting anyway, but – you add the NIL portal element to it, and you know I, I'm sure that, that that just added to it. And he probably just wants to coach, and he's not going to be asked to recruit a ton uh, at Ohio State. I'm sure it's basically going to be simply, Chip, just come and help us with the offense, and you, know, you won't have to have those conversations uh, about NIL, and you won't have to worry about who's leaving us in the portal and, and things like that. So – I think he will ultimately, I think he'll try and get to the NFL, but I, I think it doesn't surprise me because he's odd. 
He's really rich, and it, he's probably just got a handful of years left, and he wants to coach. He doesn't want to deal with being a middleman for million-dollar NIL deals. Yeah, he's definitely an odd bird, but I think it's surprising to see anyone take a pay cut that's probably about $4 million a year. No matter how much money you have, it's just surprising in the college football world. But, Frank, I think the biggest takeaway is Ohio State might walk out of this as winners. Yeah, that's right, because he's a really good coordinator. That, you're, right, you're right about that. Like, I, and I, Bill O'Brien's such a surly guy. I don't yeah. think Chip Kelly's quite like that. Right. No, but if, no, he's got an he's, ego. Yeah, he's, yeah, but it's a different kind of ego, not, not the surly way, because Bill, Bill O'Brien is. I can tell you this, and I, I don't know if I told the story on the air or not. I probably did. But when, when Florida hired Dan Mullen, it's widely known that they certainly had conversations with Chip Kelly and Scott Frost, right? I, I don't think that's a, that's a surprise. What I can tell you about the conversation with Chip Kelly is that four or five of them are up there. I can, you, could, you can do the math and figure out who they are. Just pull up your, you know, your website and see who, who the AD, assistant AD, the whole bit. And I was told by numerous, well, two people in the room that it was one of the most fascinating five hours they'd ever spent. About five hours. They, they, were, they, they went to Chip Kelly's home. And they were there for five hours. And, and he's brilliant, brilliant, but almost a not quite as charming Mike Leach vibe to him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. He, you know, how Mike, Mike Leach was, God rest his soul, odd in a charming way. I think Chip's odd in a not so charming way. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Just, just so, so, yeah, he's an odd guy. And so, so I'm not surprised he would make a choice that would be. But, but it's not just him. I mean, I, I want to, I'll get to it later, but there's. There's a lot of – I think the world's changing in terms of people dying to get these college jobs. I really do. So we'll certainly get to that coming up later on as well. Emmett Smith had some interesting comments about the Cowboys. Did you guys see those comments? Emmett Smith, I did not. Emmett Smith calling out the Cowboys. Did you see it? It was something like – was he the one that said – somebody asked him about McCarthy, and he said, well, he wouldn't be there if I was the GM. He, what he said was – he said he can't – he just he said how disappointed he was that, that they collapsed. But it did get me thinking, what the Cowboys have – it's been a long time. I mean, oh, the Cowboys yeah. are kind of the Yankees and the Dodgers. And, you know, I mean, the Steelers has been a long time and the Packers, but not like the Cowboys. It's been a long time since they've really moved the needle. Even when they're good, they don't seem to move the needle anymore. I, well, I don't, and I don't, the, the narrative when they're good is, well, they're going to blow it, well, that's, which and, they that's really right. did this year. But they, were, they won 12 games three years in a row, and nobody was talking about them. They were talking about the 49ers. They were talking about the Eagles because they made the Super Bowl last year. They're talking about all the AFC teams and quarterbacks. But you ever notice that? No one talks about the Cowboys. I mean, this was a team that won 36 regular season games in the last three years. Nobody talks to They're irrelevant, other than the fact that they're the Cowboys in Jerry's world and Jerry Jones. But other than that, they're, they're an irrelevant friend. How did that happen? Well, I think they get talked about a lot. I, I would actually their say failures? they get talked about more than they uh, probably should. I don't know. But, I, just, but I, I don't think that they've proven there's any substance to it because yeah. they don't they don't win anything of consequence. I, I get, yeah, I guess. But I mean, if you turn on ESPN, maybe, I mean, it's about every third segment they're think? talking about the Cowboys. I just see. Like. I don't. I, I don't feel that way. Maybe you're right, and I just I don't feel that way. I just feel like, or maybe they're not taken as seriously as they. Well, they're, they're not taken as seriously. We'll, they're we'll, they're chumps. We'll get to that. That's what they are. They've yeah. become chumps. Yeah. Whereas twenty thirty years ago, they were champs. They yeah. were elite. They yeah. were a dynasty. So we'll talk about that coming up. Gator basketball, uh, Florida at home against Auburn. How big would that win be, and can the Gators win that game? We'll get to that coming up. I'm going to talk about new quarterbacks. Uh, I got all kind of stuff. We're loaded up. Glad you're with us on a Friday. Love these Fridays around here as we get set for the Super Bowl and a whole lot more on Super Bowl weekend. Let's take a break. When we come back, Fred Taylor did not get selected. Uh, he was not among the five. He was a finalist, but he was not among the five uh, who are headed to Canton. 
Uh, we'll discuss it. That's our lead story. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Peace up, A-Town. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. You know what this is? This is single haze. It's a, it's a <laughs> like, like single, like the first time haze, this like is 20s a, haze. This is a medley of all the extra yeah. songs I know is what this yeah. is, okay? <laughs> there you go. You told me I knew this, right? Oh, yeah. You've heard this, haven't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I really hope that he brings out Ludacris on the stage right now. He probably will. I love Luda. So is he that's in my this song? Mm-hmm. Okay, do they do this? Yeah, okay, I didn't know that. There's I didn't know either. There's three. Yeah. Yeah. But I know the song. So it's really good. So good. It's kinda, by the way, it's a really good song. It's awesome. Really good song. Um, Usher at, uh, will be the halftime act at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Frank Frangie, his car line, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders. Never misses a beat. Well done, R.J. Um, Fred didn't get in. Here's my take. I'm not upset at any of the five that got in. People say, how could Devin Hester get in? He's a part-time player. I think Devin Hester's the Hall of Famer. He is. I, I, think, Devin, I think Devin Hester's a Hall of Fame player. Um, I think he's one of the greatest special teams players in the history of the sport. I, I, I believe that. I believe he changes games. I believe he changed. Uh, so, so I don't have problem with De- Devin being in. So it's not like I, I look at one of the five and say, how did he get in over Fred? I, that's not where I am on this. And, and and the point I heard you make at, at the handoff, Hayes, about Antonio Gates, I would agree with. He certainly belongs in. But I, I well, the reason I feel like they've got it wrong, my point when I tweeted that and we talked was talking with friends about it today, it's not that they chose him over Fred, any of the five hymns. It's that how are we to this point and Fred Taylor's not a Hall of Famer. That's where I am with it. How did it take this long to be a finalist even? And, how, and, and that's where I am. Fred Taylor is a Hall of Fame player. And that's why I'm bummed. And I think he's going to get in. I'll say, I don't want to repeat everything I said yesterday because I said it yesterday. But the bottom line is he struggles for a lack of awareness. People are, no matter how aware we are of how good he was, for whatever reason, voters in the general populace is not as aware for all the reasons we said, Pro Bowls and competition and not winning enough and small market. And we've said it enough. So my, my emotion upon learning Fred Taylor is not going to be in the Hall of Fame Whenever you learn it is, well, I was not, how dare they pick him over Fred. For me, Lauren, it was more, I just think he's a Hall of Fame player. There's no doubt in my mind he's a Hall of Fame player. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. And that's where my, when I say they got it wrong, it wasn't because this guy's in and Fred's not. It's because how have we gotten to this point and Fred Taylor's not in the Hall? That's my feeling. I can understand that. And I think... People do, the writers must look at the all pros and the pro bowls and they must, if you don't have as many as other people or certainly as few as Fred does, they must put a, a an X on you and, and that goes on your cons list. And that's why I think the only thing, because everything else stats wise and the tape, like we talked about yesterday, that all goes in Fred Taylor's uh, honor. And so I think he'll get in next year. That's what it feels like to me. And yeah, I think Devin Hester's a hall of fame player as well. It, the all five of them are. So it's a, it was a good class. It's an excellent class. Uh, th- this is what I would say. I, I'm I'm fine with, obviously, we're all disappointed Fred Taylor didn't get in. I think taking it to a level of outrage doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Uh, 
it is disappointing that Fred Taylor didn't get voted in. And yes, I do think eventually he will be. But if Antonio Gates didn't get in, I'm sorry. That's that's the snub, not Fred Taylor. Antonio Antonio Gates caught 116 touchdowns in this league, had 11 seasons with at least seven receiving touchdowns. I mean, that is sustained excellence at the tight end position. And for him not to get in, uh, that one was really surprising to me. I, I'm fascinated to, to hear the aftermath of, of why Antonio Gates didn't get in, what, what held him back uh, from the voting block. And then obviously Devin Hester is the one that a lot of people have singled out and said, well, this one's preposterous. It's not preposterous. He had 14 punt return touchdowns and averaged 11.7 yards a punt return. That's ridiculous. This is, again, I think people fixate on the wrong things. The question that they're going to ask themselves in that room is, can we tell the story of pro football with or without this guy? With Devin Hester, you can't. Because he's the greatest returner ever by a mile. It's, it's unquestionably Devin Hester. Well, you can't tell the story of pro football and not tell the story of who was the best returner to ever do it. I, hate to, I think Fred Taylor deserves to be in, but you can tell the history of pro football without Fred Taylor. You can. So that's what he is up against. I, I do think he will get in. I think he deserves to get in. But if you're going to compare Fred Taylor to Devin Hester, the essence of the Hall of Fame is can you tell the story of pro football without them? And with Devin Hester, you just can't. I'm sorry. You cannot tell the history of this league without the greatest returner to ever do it. Were either of y'all surprised that Patrick Willis was in with – I asked the question. Baselli had the shorter length yeah. career. So did Patrick Willis. I thought he'd be in when I saw the finalists. So yeah. I tweeted out whenever they announced it months ago, and he was in my five because okay. he was sensational. I, I thought uh, I was my to Hayes' point. I think he belongs in. Uh, there were none of them that bothered me. As far as I was bothered that Fred's not in yet, but there's none of the five that bothered me. Patrick Willis was a really good middle linebacker. Patrick Willis was Erlacher and Ray Lewis without the attention. Physical, tough, would really hit. Um, so. But but I thought he suffered from an awareness thing, too, despite playing for the 49ers. I thought he struggled for, with an awareness thing, too. So I was a little surprised he was in, but not shocked because I think he's a good enough player to be in in the awareness. To your point, Hayes, about you can't tell the story of football without them, I, I, I agree with that with an amendment. Um, nobody that qualifies in that category should be left out, and Darren, Devin Hester absolutely does. 100% agree with you. But there's also a lot of guys in the hall that don't qualify there. There's a lot of guys in the hall that you could tell the story of football without and are still in the hall and still belong in the hall. But your point, I think, is, but if you have one guy that you really can't tell it without, then he has to be in. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, and, again. And, and, I, and I don't disagree with that. I, I, that's not to say Fred Taylor isn't deserving. Yeah. But if you're going to compare, a lot of people, it seems like today, have taken it from a Fred Taylor versus Devin Hester. And that's what I would say that – to, to that argument. But but certainly, uh, Fred Taylor deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You've just I think you just have to kind of be careful and remember exactly what they're trying to get to the essence of here. It's not, you know, if I was building a team, how would I want to build it? Well, if that's the question, I mean, like Eli Manning next year would be 
a sure ballot, first ballot Hall of Fame guy. You would obviously take Eli Manning. You start with the quarterback. Well, he and he probably will get in, but he may not. I, I mean, that's sort of one that's going to be on the fence that will be debatable over should Eli be a first – he'll get in. Yeah, I don't should know he be a first ballot guy? Yeah, Agreed. I don't think he um, should be. So, I mean, again, it's, it's can you tell the story? And you, Devin Hester is – I mean, and it wasn't just – it wasn't just the fact that he had all the the fourteen punt return touchdowns and the and the several kickoff return touchdowns, uh, and it, it was the times in which he made the plays. I mean, if you go through the the highlights of Devin Hester, very few of those returns are happening when the Bears had a double digit lead, and, and in many instances they were behind. Uh, so I also think when they occurred, but he's he's easily the greatest I've ever seen do it. And and I again I I think most people would say unequivocally Devin Hester is the best return specialist that the league has ever seen. That has to account for something. Yeah, I uh, I have no problem with Devin Hester being in. Back to Fred for a second. What I do think is happening is the awareness is starting to grow. I think, and I watched it with Baselli. Uh, again, Tony Tony absolutely belonged in, but we needed more awareness. And you're right, Lauren. You said yesterday he had to get beyond the not didn't play enough in the minds of some. Well, Fred didn't go to enough Pro Bowls in the minds of some, but which which has no bearing on this if you look at the numbers in my mind. But I now think there's an awareness. Some guys get in because eventually some of the voters cave and say, listen, every year I keep hearing, how do we pass on him? How do we pass on him? How do we pass on him? Well, by God, I'm going to vote for him. You know, I think that – and I think Fred will get in like that. I didn't think it was going to be this year. I've been saying that. I'm not as sure as others are that it's going to be next year. But I, th- I can remember when Tony – I remember t- twice now Tony didn't get in, and we were all convinced it would be the next year, and it wasn't the next year. And then again it wasn't the next year, and then it finally was. And so, uh, so yeah, I think, I think Fred's going to get in. I hope it's next year. I'm not sure that it is next year, but I think at some point Fred's going to get in. And Fred handled it incredibly gracefully. I mean, isn't, I, what I, I mean to tell you, his tweet was absolutely perfect, and here's why. If you, if you show it all that you're upset you didn't get in, then you're not respecting the dignity of the five who did. This is a really, really important moment for those five. And those five deserved it. And if you get into the hall and you get that gold jacket, you deserve that gold jacket. And it's incumbent on others, particularly your brothers in the sport, to respect that. And I thought the way he did it, I agree with you, Hayes, he had, you know, respect the, when you quit respecting the dignity of others, you've, you've overcome all the good. And he respected the dignity of all five guys that got in. All five that got in, he respected the dignity of those guys and said, hey, didn't happen this year. It'll happen next onward. I, I agree with you. He's a really good, if you've ever been around Fred, he's humble, he's understated, he's meek of heart. Um, he didn't play meek. He was a bold player, man. But he's a soft-spoken, understated guy, and I, and I agree with you, Hayes. I thought he handled it perfectly. Yeah, so hopefully next year will be his year. Um, first look, I would say it's uh, somewhat difficult. But, I, again, I do think that you're going to me it's, it's going to be interesting to see about Gates. Like, is there something that we just don't know about? Like, is, are we going to be sitting here in four years and Antonio Gates still isn't in? Because, again, it just seems so – improbable that he wasn't included this time around uh, but obviously you're going to have Antonio Gates uh, Andre Johnson gets in but now you uh, wonder about Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne who I think are worthy 
Uh, so do you see a, a receiver, the, the log jam continue to get broken up there? Uh, so is you got five spots. So is it, if it's Gates, Eli, uh, um, let's say it's, it's Torrey Holt uh, goes in before Reggie Wayne. Well, now you're dealing with two more spots. And you've got some other good first ballot guys. Luke Keekley, I think, will have uh, some good support. Uh, you've got some offensive linemen that have great cases. Uh, Jari Evans is one that didn't get in this time. So it's still going to be stacked. But in looking at it, uh, and Marshawn Lynch does come available. So there'll be another running back of some importance. I think Fred Taylor was much better. But, uh, but Marshawn Lynch is somebody that at least has to be given a look. And, and look, that may help Fred because I think Marshawn Lynch has a good reputation and Fred Taylor's got better numbers. Yeah, by the way, what a year for the Texans, not just getting Andre Johnson in, but also last night C.J. Stroud yeah. and Will Anderson win Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, respectively. But my goodness, that's a good year. And, and very deserving across, across the board. So very deserving. Take a break. When we come back, I want to get to this whole carousel. Who's jumping off? Who's jumping in? What are we doing here? In the coaching room, Hayes, you hit on a lot of the reasons why. I'm going to expound on those. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Back to more of Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Family owned since 1961. It's Big Chief Tire. Always a big Chief Tire Friday here on the Frangie Show. Frank Kay's RJ on Lorne. All right, so when we talk about the coaching carousel, Frank, we thought maybe about three years ago, maybe a little before COVID, that being a head coach in college football is the greatest job on earth because pretty much you get paid around 8 to $10 million. As long as you especially go to a good school, you win enough, just enough, you're going to be able to coach there for a long time. But now people are exiting their head coaching positions, whether it's taking coordinator positions in the NFL or coordinator positions in college. Yeah, and make no mistake, most people still want those jobs. It's not like nobody wants them anymore. But they're, but we've never had, to your point, we've never had anybody that didn't want them that people wanted. You just didn't see this before. I was shocked when Jeff Halfley left Boston College as the head coach there and did a good job there. Was was not on any hot seat, I don't think. He did, It's not like he... He, he beat the posse out of town, and he just he was tired of the NIL and the pandering and the portal and all you have to do as a college coach. He said, let me get back to the league. Guys that go, guys that go from college to the league, they want it to be about ball, just about ball. And so he went there. He went to, to, to Green Bay as the coordinator. Chip Kelly, it was widely known, wanted out. Whether he didn't like that part of the country, whether he didn't like whatever it was, he wanted out. And so – I wasn't surprised he tried to get a coordinator job in the NFL. I was very surprised he took the coordinator job at Ohio State. I mean, you're still in college. I've got to believe he's still got a recruit. Now, you're not as responsible for them getting the recruits. And he went to the ultimate stacked deck program. Okay, I mean, there's that, 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 they're, they're going to be better than everybody they play most of the time. And you don't get to do that very often in college football. And so, but, but Hayes, to your point, he doesn't need the money. You wouldn't think. He's made a lot of money. Dan Mullen, I talk about him all the time. People go, how quickly will Dan Mullen be a coordinator in the NFL, a coordinator in college, head coach at Memphis? I don't think Dan Mullen has any interest in any of those jobs. 
I think Dan Mullen made a bunch of money. I mean, Dan Mullen was what was he making at Florida? Seven. Seven at Florida. He his buyout was twelve. Six up front and then a million a year for six years. He was probably making three at Mississippi State for a long time. Right. He's probably making three, four hundred grand to be on ESPN or whatever it is, half a million to be on ESPN. I think he's I don't think Dan Mullen has any interest in being a football coach again for all those reasons. Chip Kelly, you don't do what he did if you want to be a head coach again. I don't think he's trying to be a head coach. People are staying away from college. I can tell you this story. I told you this on the air the other day. Wink Martindale, you saw today was named the Michigan defensive coordinator. I can tell you our old friend Joe Cullen turned that job down and really considered it because he really wants to be a coordinator again. The only time he got to be a coordinator was the one year under Urban. And I thought he did a pretty good job. I really did. It, that just The whole thing was just dysfunctional. But I thought, he, I thought Joe Cullen was good. And he wants to crack at it again, which is why he considered the Michigan job. But he turned it down because nobody wants to go to college anymore. Now, he was hoping to get the Seattle coordinator job. Lauren, you told me that the – Tom Pelissaro reported that somebody else is going to get that job. So he'll stay as the defensive line coach in Kansas City. But the point is, people are staying away from from the college jobs. Hayes, because they make enough money. B, because it's a rat race now. And again, most people still want to do it. But if you got all the money and you've been there and done that, why would you, why in the world would you want to get into that? That's the reality. It is the reality. And, and again, I think these college programs need to start treating – their football organization like an NFL unit. And we're seeing that. You're seeing the the general manager role becoming more prevalent. Uh, but, again, I think with, with the way players can transfer so freely, this is now a professional endeavor, and it's going to take coaches that can X and O's things up uh, to really succeed. I, 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 I think, again, just in a few years – I think we've seen kind of what you're looking for in a college head coach change. And, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things that it's not going to be for everybody. Uh, because I, I think what Chip Kelly's frustration is, is I'm now in an NFL world, but I'm being treated like I'm still in a collegiate world. But I, th- those two things don't mix. And, and so my recommendation for college football programs that, that want to – you know, skip past their rivals or, or make up ground. Treat your college football program like an NFL organization, uh, where your head coach does not have to be a great recruiter. Your NIL effort has to be fantastic, and you need a head coach that can rally the troops and and raise money. I'll tell you who would be fantastic in this new college model is Pete Carroll. Like I don't know that anybody's going to hire Pete Carroll. But if he came, if if there was a big college job that came open, and the president and athletic director had enough sense to say, where with where this sport is going, we don't need somebody that can go get the seventeen-year-old kid. We need somebody who is a star in the profession, who all these players are going to know, who has a sterling reputation, who we know can compete at the highest level in his profession. That's who we need. I mean, I, I, Pete Carroll obviously was great at USC, but it, it's a totally different dynamic. I, obviously, at USC, he recruited among the best in the country. That's not what you really need to do now. Now you need to be able to attract the best players that are going to be in the portal, which is basically all of them. So that's where this sport is headed. I, I think it's a mistake to go after the 34-year-old never-done-it guy because I think it's just going to be – 
really difficult for them to grasp everything that you have to do. Uh, but th- but it's got to start with the schools themselves saying, particularly in the SEC and Big Ten, and I think, again, I think they're gravitating towards it, but, but this is no longer a, a collegiate endeavor. This is no longer an amateur endeavor. It is professional football, and you need to go get professional coaches that have done it at the professional level. What I wonder is if the Big Ten and SEC actually <clears throat> did – let's say, break away, even though they've said recently that they, that's not their intention, but if they were to break away, why would you want to be a head football coach in college of any of the non-Power 2 teams? Well, that's right. Like, why would – you're not going to make the same and you're going to work just as hard. Yeah, no, I hear you, I, I and I agree with that. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. To the Boston College thing, Lauren, you made an interesting point. Green Bay might be the big – or Ohio State might be the big winner here because they get Chip Kelly instead of Bill O'Brien. From a surliness standpoint, yes, because Bill O'Brien's so surly. But I think Boston College might have fallen into something here too. For all the for all the grumpiness that Bill O'Brien legendarily has, and I've heard story after story after story, he's a really good coach. Hayes, I don't know that if if not without this wild turn of events, that Boston College could have ever expected to get that good of a football coach. That's Lost in all this, and you're right. He's he. You hear the worry. It's legendary the stories of how surly he is, but they might have fallen into a hell of a coach. How, how does Boston College land a coach? Boston College landed a coach that good. Yeah, and and again, it, it's 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 like every every job's a fingerprint. Why did this one work out so well? Because Bill O'Brien is is at a crossroads in his career where his head coaching options are very few. I think he probably wants to be the boss. I mean, he strikes me as somebody, Frank, to your point, that it's kind of sick of being told when he has to be in the office. Right. You know, he wants to run the ship. And I think he's willing to go do it at a program that's very respectable. Uh, the expectations there are not ridiculous. Uh, if you go, you know, seven and five every year at Boston College, you're going to be a hero. And I, And I think he looks at it as, it's so important for me to be my own boss here that I'm willing to understand that I'm going to bring in kids that are going to do well and are then going to immediately transfer to Florida State or Miami or Ohio State or Florida or wherever. Uh, I understand that. But I also think there's a confidence Bill O'Brien has and that his systems, he can take mediocre talent and do good things with that. So I, you know, I think for Bill O'Brien, and obviously there's the personal stuff in terms of you know familiarity with the region and things like that. Uh, so I, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for Bill O'Brien, and I do think considering Boston College was blindsided, you know, with having their job come open, oh, I think they did quite well. The Bill O'Brien was the head coach of the Texans. First of all, he's head coach at Penn State for two years after Paterno, winning seasons both years, eight and four and seven and five. Went to the NFL. He was the head coach of the Texans for seven full seasons. Now he got fired four games into season eight. It was a disaster. They were 0-4. The Deshaun Watson stuff was happening. It was, it was a COVID year. That was a disaster. But before that, he was there for seven full seasons. He won the division four of the seven. You realize that? He, they, they won the division four of his seven years. He had winning records in six of his seven full years and double digits in two of those. So he was really good. I, again, can you deal with him being ornery, to your point? Because that's a very valid point, because that's kind of who he is. And wasn't he always in charge of personnel, too? 
Uh, I think they had a GM. Yeah. It was Rick Smith for a while, and yeah. um, but I, th- I mean, but he had a loud voice in it. Yeah, he, he would have had a loud voice in it. And though, so, so, so I, uh, I mean, listen, if he had wound up at a more prominent school, I mean, LSU landing Brian Kelly, the the regionality of it seemed odd, but the level of school matching the level of coach ma- made sense. LSU is a blue blood school, and Brian Kelly's kind of a blue blood coach. It just it was the geog the geography of it was weird, but but Boston, I mean, so an LSU getting a Bill O'Brien as its head coach would fit. Really good coach going to a blue blood school. This is Boston College landed the guy, you know. So now listen, he's from there. He's from Andover, Maryland, uh, Massachusetts. His wife went to Boston College, and was best friends, by the way, and you guys all know this. With Helen Marone, who also went to Boston College, and they were best friends at school, this has to mean Marone's on that staff. He just That's got fired. What I would think. Yeah. you think? Yeah, Absolutely. He's, he's either the coordinator or the old line coach by tomorrow. Wouldn't you think? No doubt about it. I mean, it. Doug's fifty nine. Probably his first hire. Yeah, Doug. We I have to. I mean, Doug's fifty nine years old. He's available. Now you got to go get some college guys there too. And listen, Bill O'Brien goes to recruit people. Oh, by the way, I coached Tom Brady. You know, I mean, certainly his. The credibility this guy brings is legit, so it's just weird the way the whole thing happened. Jeff Halfley was doing fine, shocked the world by taking a coordinator job in the NFL. Bill O'Brien landed at at Ohio State agreeing to be a coordinator, immediately gets into the hunt for the B.C. job, gets the B.C. job. Chip Kelly, the head coach at UCLA, decides he doesn't want – so he leaves, leaves to be a coordinator in the same conference. I'm telling you, it just – just following this whole these storylines here, I mean, there's not enough time for, in the two-hour movie for all of them, is there? That's that's the point. And it makes you wonder, like, what does UCLA do? I like, saw PJ Fleck. I saw that too. That the, the, they think PJ Fleck is that's the job. It's the he, leading candidate, but they have been wrong so many times well, throughout this well, coaching. Well, PJ Fleck has almost gotten a bunch of jobs. Now there's a job where there's not a lot of candidates out there. I mean, there's really not. You know, so so it's, it's February 9th. Yeah, right. So so is PJ Fleck. And then, and so my belief is, a guy like PJ Fleck will get this job, a proven Power Five coach, and Hayes. Then Minnesota, then Minnesota goes and hires the uh, uh, group of five. They go hire the Eastern Michigan guy, right? Yeah, or whatever. In that, in that, how the, the way this is going to go is Minnesota's guy is going to go to UCLA, and. And Minnesota's going to go get a guy from the Dakotas. Isn't that how this goes? Probably. And and I don't know about P.J. Fleck, but I will say Billy Napier is as Bruin a Bruin as I've ever seen. <laughs> so I, I can't I endorse his candidacy more. Uh, you know what? I, I should have been. I mean, yeah. that, that I was mean, pretty telegraphed, and I didn't even see it. I, I got saw the, Mr. Bruin. I saw the smile <laughs> Billy come across Napier. his eyes. Yeah, he's got that. I got a Napier line coming smile, uh-huh. doesn't he? I, just, uh-huh. I was looking the wrong way because he's he certainly got that. You're Sorry, good. I should have had a better poker face. <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, that's the – but does, if you're P.J. Fleck, do you really want to – leave Minnesota where you've been incredibly happy to go to UCLA? Yes, because it's UCLA. I mean, and I think I think PJ Fleck has probably been at Minnesota not long enough. He's done about what he can do there. Now he may if he just loves it there. Yeah, he loves rowing the boat. Yeah, but he's been but he there's they have boats in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. He he can row a boat there and I uh, and I think UCLA kind of needs him. UCLA is in the gigantic shadow of USC anyway. And now we'll be in the gigantic shadow of all those other Big Ten teams. I mean, you, nobody could – UCLA lost in all the conference realignment stuff. 
is UCLA, whose football program was relatively irrelevant anyway, just became way more irrelevant. UCLA's football program was irrelevant because they weren't USC, who was across town. But they still had a chance to be better than Stanford and Cal and the Mm -hmm. Arizona schools. Well, now they're not only not USC – they're not Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State or the like, you know. So, uh, so it'll be. I think Fleck would be fantastic for UCLA. I do too. If, I if do too. Can get it and to I work. think that's probably has a really good knowledge of the conference. I mean, I, I think that would be and, fantastic on a lot of levels. And Lauren, like you, probably did. The minute I saw that Chip Kelly was leaving, I saw Fleck pop up everywhere. Didn't yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Every 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 web. I mean, every insider, everybody on Twitter, all of them. They yeah. all. I mean, Bruce Feldman died. They all. They all. They all came up with that. They did. But like I said, we've seen other ones where they're about to hire, they're expected yeah. to hire, and then it doesn't go according to plan. Yeah. My question for you, Hayes Carline, here on a Friday on the First Coast, is if Fleck gets that job, does Billy Napier have any gopher in <laughs> He's a gopher. Could uh, be a absolutely. gopher? Oh, I mean, it, if I was oh, Minnesota, he'd be my first that. call. He'd be my only call. I'd hand him a blank check and say, fill it in. Uh, and come restore our glory of the national titles that Minnesota won in the 30s. I think Billy Napier can do that. <laughs> My first trip to Minnesota with the family, we went with Suzanne and Amber years ago, and we spent the entire time on the plane, planning for the plane, the three of us going, oh, sure, you betcha. Oh, Minnesota, you got that. <laughs> and the minute we got there, we got off the plane, we went to have breakfast, and the server came over, and we said, we like this, 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 and they said, you betcha. I'm not making it up. 100% true story. That really happened. I'm not making it up. We'll take a break. Pete Prisco joins us after this to talk some NFL. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Time for all things Jaguars and NFL with Pete Prisco. The Prisco Report, presented by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Showtime. On The Frangie Show. Pete Prisco's report is always brought to you by Showtime. Now, they have their pre-big game party. That comes up on Sunday, noon to 4. Raffles every half hour for everyone in the store. Josh Scobie, who's a wonderful guy, the former kicker here, and a fantastic golf. You'll love Scobie. He'll be there from 1 to 3 on Sunday. The pre-big game party. That is Sunday, this coming Sunday, noon to 4 at Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Right there on uh, Phillips Highway at the end of Shad Road. So go say hello when you get a chance. Big game, Pete, coming up. Peter, are you at the Super Bowl or no? You there? Oh, yeah. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, I've been here all week. How's Vegas? How is it? Did you lose any money? That's my question. No, I actually uh, won a little bit, too, which is surprising because usually you do lose. Um, but, yeah, it's been great. Our, you know, we have a, our sets are right on the fountain at Fellagio, so it's awesome. Are you, are, really... you, are you a good game? I'm terrible at gambling. Are you, are you good? Yeah. No, nobody's good at it, right? Uh, nobody's good at it, Frank. When you think about this. When you just think about it for a second, yeah, they build all these hotels because everybody's bad at it. <laughs> Very true. What do you play? Yeah. I play uh, roulette sometimes. I play blackjack. Um, and I haven't had really time to sit down. I, you know, I, you know what I did do? I stuck some money in a slot and won a little bit in there one day. So, wow. yeah, so I was walking. Uh, you know, and I, I stopped for a second, put you know twenty bucks in or whatever, and it hit a little bit. So I was happy about that. Oh. But usually, you know, if I come out here on vacation, I'll sit down and play uh, blackjack and yeah. and roulette a little bit like that p what's it been like we'll get to the game in a minute but what's the week been like being in vegas uh, super bowl in vegas biggest event in the biggest party town what's it been like it's been it's been great frank i think everything you know we always say new orleans is a great venue for a super bowl because everything is so centrally located this is just like that 
Okay. I mean, multiply it because you have so many people right. who are here not for the game, just to be part of the Vegas experience. And there's shows, there's parties, there's. I mean, it's 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 incredible. It really is, and I guarantee they will be back here. What has to happen for the Chiefs, and what has to happen for the 49ers, in your opinion, to take home the Lombardi Trophy? You know, it's 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 weird when you break down this game and you look at from the Chiefs' angle. You say, okay, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Patrick Mahomes, and it could easily be that. But I look at this game in a different way. I I, I look at a 49ers defense that's given up 5.6 per rush on the ground in two playoff games. That is horrendous. And those weren't necessarily, you know, particularly the Packers were a great running team, and they ran the ball all over them. So I think what this is going to be is going to be Pacheco early and often, and I think they'll have success running the ball because the 49ers, those inside guys haven't played very well. And when you those guys don't play very well, they get to the linebackers. Those guys are running chase linebackers. They're not big guys. And so they can get blocked at the point of attack, which we've seen. So I think Pacheco early and often, and then you'll start, you know, they'll, they'll play that zone. Kelsey will find spots in the zone, and Mahomes will heat up. And on the other side, that's one of the great chess matches we'll see. You have Steve Spagnuolo, who in the playoffs is one of the best defensive coordinators we've ever seen. Remember, he's the guy that was the coordinator of the Giants defense where they stopped you know, uh, Tom Brady and, and Randy Moss to beat them. And throughout this postseason, he, Josh Allen, he had Lamar Jackson, he had two of the first game, high-flying Dolphins offense, and here he is now against the 49ers, who are the highest-scoring team in the league. So uh, I want to see Kyle Shanahan against Steve Spagnuolo and how they play that out. Yeah, me too, Pete. I feel like the 49ers can't win for two reasons. One, they complained about the field, and two, they complained about the alarm going off in the hotel. They're doing a lot of complaining this week. But you know what? It's weird because the respect these two teams have for each other, there's no give and take, none, zero. You know, it's one of those Super Bowls where, okay, we respect him, Kittle and, and Kelsey are, you know, big buddies and talking about how each one's great. And no, nobody gives anything back and forth. It's not like the old days. You know, nowadays you look for stuff here and you don't really find any. So I think the alarm going off and the fact they complained about the field kind of gives us a little something. Yeah, all right. And before we let you go, uh, at the end of this, the report will have you pick the game. Tell us who you think is going to win. Let's get to the Hall of Fame. Fred didn't get in. You, like uh, the rest of us around here, are very disappointed, and we feel like they got it wrong. Pete, break down the five that did. Did they all – you don't have to go through all five, but, I mean, as you look at the five that did, did they get it right mostly with those guys? Any that shouldn't be in? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, Okay. Uh, let me push Fred to the side. How is Antonio Gates not a first all uh, first – ballot Hall of Fame. That's right. ridiculous. I don't know what they did to him. Yep, that's, that's absurd. Uh, but it, there's not a chance in hell Devin Hester deserves to be in the Hall of Fame before Fred Taylor. None. Zero. Zippo. You, you know, and, and just for, I don't believe in, you know, specialists go in before a player anyways, but just to go look at it, I went a deep dive on Devin Hester. Do you know where he ranks all time in kickoff return average? Where? Take a guess. You all get a guess because he's a Hall of Famer now. Third. I'll say 31st. Okay. I'll say 10th. 71st. Okay. 71. So, well, let me ask you this because so, here's my point. I don't mind Devin Hester being in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he should be in ahead of Fred Taylor. I think for, my whole point on this today, Pete, was I'm not, I don't have a concern with any of the five that went in. I just I'm bothered that we've gone this far down the line and Fred's still not in. I thought it took too long for him to be a finalist. I, th- I think he's got an awareness issue the same way Tony did. Uh, you, I mean, does that make sense? I, so I'm not angry with no. the five that got in. I just think it's taken too long for 
the voters to become aware of how great Fred Taylor has been. That's my point. And it's weird in, in, in a weird way because you talk to every player, every player, every single one, Ray Lewis, Derek Brooks, and all of them, they're all Fred Taylor guys, and they all know how great he was. The players, If the players voted for the Hall of Fame, Fred Taylor would, would have been in already. And that's the difference. I, I don't think these guys that are voting are so aware of who he is. And, and believe me, I wrote a long letter to a bunch of guys that, that I didn't think understood, a bunch of the voters who I didn't think understood how good he was. And I put in all his accolades trying to help out Sam uh, do the job. And by the way, people kill Sam. It's not Sam's fault. Totally me. Agree. It's not. He, Sam does his work and does everything he possibly can to get him into the Hall of Fame. It's just it's the Jacksonville market. It's the same with the Pro Bowls. And those, there's some old school guys in there that look at it and say he didn't go to all the Pro Bowls and all that stuff. And they don't understand the greatness of Fred Taylor. As we look to next year, obviously we have I, – I agree with you on Gates. So let's assume that wrong is corrected and Gates gets in and is one of the five. We have Eli Manning, who I think will have a good shot at it, but I'm interested to get your thoughts on, on Eli uh, Keekley will have some support. Marshawn Lynch comes in. So how does that affect Fred? Uh, your comment on, on those topics. There's not a place on earth or a person on earth who would think that Marshawn Lynch was a better running back than Fred Taylor. There shouldn't be. And I don't even think it's a conversation. So I think he pushes Marshawn Lynch aside. Uh, as far as Keekley, Keekley will probably get in. I don't know if he goes in on the first ballot. Gates will get in next year for sure. And then you got, uh, you know, Eli Manning is an interesting case study. But when you win two Super Bowls and you bring your team back in the fourth quarter of two Super Bowls and big upsets against the great, you know, supposedly the greatest team ever, and then you pile up numbers, because you look at his numbers, he's top 10 almost in every category. I do think he gets in. It's going to be a weird situation, though, because do people really believe he was ever one of the truly the best players in the NFL when he was in the league? So, but I do think he gets in. Pete, if you assume Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry get in, will we ever see another running back active now and moving forward get in? That's a really good question, by the way. Because, you know, probably not. And I'm not so sure Henry, he probably will get in, but he's not going to be in a slam dunk either. Christian McCaffrey will be when it's all said and done with the ability to get, you know, catches and yards. And if he has a big moment in the Super Bowl as well. But, yeah, I, it, because they draft them, they run them. And then you draft another one. I mean, that's basically what it is. And, and the value of the position has decreased year by year. And so, yeah, probably these two are probably the last of the two that have a chance. Yeah, we talked about that on the show. They're the last. The, the, McCaffrey and Henry, Peter, the last of the great running backs. They are. Unless the game changes exponentially again, they're the last of the great running backs, right? And Nick Chubb would have been in it too because he got, but he got hurt this year. Remember, he put up some monster seasons in the last four years. He would have been right there with him too. I but Nick, yeah, I think Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor are really, really, really good players, but they're not McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. Pete, don't you agree? I mean, they're not that. And McCaffrey yeah. and Derrick Henry are different yeah. styles. Derrick Henry in his prime, probably not. Yeah, you're right. But you know, it's funny about Jonathan Taylor. I remember having a conversation. You know, he wears the same number as Fred. And so I asked him, I said, I said, do you wear that for Fred Taylor? He said, no, no, no. And I said, do you know about Fred Taylor? And he said, yeah, I know about him. I, even, I said, you should sit down and watch his highlights. And, and we talked and I said, how, how big are you? And, you know, you, I think he was like 215 or whatever. And I said, how fast was your fastest 40 time? And, and when I told him Fred, yeah. his jaw dropped. 
I said he was 230 at one point and ran under 4-3 at Florida on his pro day. And he went, what? And I said, yes. That's how, that's how special he was. And he, and he played to that speed. That's the thing. He wasn't just fast on the track. He played like a 230-pound guy that ran a 4-2-8 or whatever it was. So, be- the jump cuts, the glides, yeah. oh. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, you could put on – anybody who puts on his tape and watches it and doesn't think that guy should be a Hall of Famer is, is, is misguided. I 100% agree. I think we all do around here. Final thing, Pete, who's going to win the game? Give me a score and how it plays out. Chiefs. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. I don't think you're going to see a ton of possessions because I think both teams can run the ball. Both teams will run the ball. But I think in the end – you got to go to that quarterback. He's going to be asked to make a play late in the game, and he's going to go make it. Patrick Mahomes wins another one, and you know what it does? He yells out, I'm coming for you, Tom Brady. He also yells out, I'm coming for you, Michael Jordan. He's that guy. I think we all agree. Pete Prisco checking in live from Vegas, uh, brought to you by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Pete, enjoy the game. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. Take care. Pete Prisco talking NFL with us one more time from CBSSports.com and brought to you by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Don't forget, now on Sunday, they've got their pre-big game party. You're going to absolutely love it. Noon to four, food and drinks, raffles every half hour. And while you're in there, you're going to check out those great, great, great collectibles. Is it Phillips at the end of Shad? You're going to love it. And Josh Scobie will be there. Uh, Say hello to Josh. You'll love seeing Josh. He'll be there from one to three. Have a big time at the pre-big game party. It's Showtime this Sunday from noon to four. More in a moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. For all of your tires and automotive service needs, it's Big Chief Tire. When I need new tires, I go see our friends at Big Chief Tire. Five locations now around town. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, RJ Saunders, I'm Lauren Brooks. Headed into Super Bowl weekend. Going to be a fun mm, one. No, I'm ready for game, this one. But either way, it's always a fun one. Man, time. I'm excited about this Super Bowl. Absolutely. All right, by the way, I was going to save this for news and notes, but it's so important I can't wait. Today, if you didn't know, is National Pizza Day. It is. Wow. If you haven't had pizza yet, make your plans for pizza for dinner oh, man. tonight. Man, you know what? I haven't had pizza, and unfortunately, we've got plans with friends that don't involve pizza. Oh, no. This is a travesty. It really is. <laughs> I've got to gotta solve something. Did I see a pizza box in the break room? If you did, I, I did not have, see it, I but I may have maybe. to go have a bite of, small, of cold pizza. Uh, wait a minute. Y'all forget I said that. <laughs> I don't trust either one of you. <laughs> and I did not know that. National Pizza Day. Today, I saw it first thing this morning. I did not know that. I did not, I did not have pizza for lunch. I had a fantastic lunch. And then I, <laughs> and I had a fantastic lunch. And then I, and then I, after that, we have to, yeah. I, yeah, Brian was like, I'm planning on cooking chicken tonight. And I said, no, it's no, National not. Pizza Day. We can have chicken any day. I love I the correction. You made the course correction, which I like. I'm such a pizza fan. All right. If okay. we were talking about Billy Napier's press conference from earlier this week and how many fans wanted to know the direction of the offense, they felt like they were left with less of an answer after the press conference than they had going in. And so, Frank, I think it leads to the question of if it's not Billy Napier as the head coach at Florida, and he may be the head coach for the next 10 years, who knows. But if it's not him, and certainly a lot of people believe it won't be, who is going to be the next Florida coach? Who real? Because we talked about this off air a little bit. And, we, and again, Billy had his press conference, and, and I'm rooting for Billy. I've been clear about that. I think he's going to be a really good recruiter. We had this part of the show yesterday where where where, where he finished – Mike Norvell finished well in recruiting and had the great portal stuff. Kirby Smart dominates recruiting. So I think uh, Mario Cristobal finished fifth in the nation and fourth based on who you looked at. So 
So the procurement of players in our area, led by Kirby Smart, is, is getting better, is coming back. And I hope Billy Napier is the coach here. But we just said for the sake of a radio conversation, if it's not if Billy Napier gets fired this year, by the way, Mike Bianchi wrote an interesting column said the UCF game will determine his fate. I would he, agree. He said he said if he, if you if you can't beat UCF at home, oh, yeah. the fans aren't going to want you. He, if he no, loses to UCF, yeah. he might be fired Sunday morning. Yeah, Bianchi said if he I don't think he talked about the timeliness of it, but he said Gator fan forget a bowl game a few years ago in the middle of the season in the swamp, if UCF comes into the swamp and beats Billy Napier's Gators uh, that's the one that the Gator Nation he doesn't think would stand for. But anyway, let's assume he doesn't make it because it's a again the last five games are Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU, at Texas, FSU, and I think uh, is 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 Ole Miss at home? Ole Miss is at yes. home. Okay, and, and LSU's at home. That's right. Okay, so but it's Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU at Texas and at Florida State. Correct. Just a brutal for last. That'd be a brutal five for anybody, mm-hmm. even a really good team. So. Yeah. So let's assume he doesn't make it. Jed Fish, I don't believe leaves after one year. I don't. Other than a, a prime L, L, and prime NFL job, I don't care if the Florida job's open. I don't think Jed Fish goes from Arizona, stays one year in Washington, and then flies to Gainesville. So whether I'm right or not, let's assume for the sake of today, I'm right. Okay. Who would the realistic coach be? Would Kiffin be in play? Um, would he leave Ole Miss to to take what what Florida would be then? And if not. Who else? Who who would give me two or three people that possibly could be the Florida football coach in 2025 if Billy Napier gets fired during or after the 24 season? I, I will say I think Jed Fish would leave uh, after one but, year. But but for the yeah. sake of this, yeah. uh, let's assume he doesn't. Um, I, I think you ha- your first call has to be to Lane Kiffin, assuming Ole Miss wins you know nine ten games. I mean, if Ole Miss goes six and six with all the expectations, then you know I think that. Uh, you know, that, that might move him down the list a peg or two. But I think it starts with Lane Kiffin because of what he's done at Ole right. Miss. They just won 11 games this past season, and right. it looks like they're going to have a better team this year. I, I don't know that he takes it, but, I mean, I'd make him tell me no. Uh, I like to stay within the conference because I think the conference is so unique. So I like to start there and, and work out from there. So uh, – Eli Drinkwitz would be somebody I would be interested in talking to if Missouri follows up their 11-win season with another really strong year. And, Ranked and, in the top 10 to start the season. Yeah, right. and they're they're supposed to, so we'll see. By the way, he's making $9 million. Yeah. yeah, well, right. Florida's going to have to ante yeah. up. Pony up. I mean, okay. there's, okay. there's so, no doubt about so that. So efficient, efficient Kiffin weren't going to be the guy. Eli, top of your list of realistic guys? I like Brom at Louisville. Uh, so Brom I'd probably put above Drinkwitz. Um and then, you know, in, in looking at it from there. You're kind of where, kind of where yeah. I thought this would go. There's not a whole lot of, wow, there's, let's go get them. There's guys. not a whole lot. I mean, look, I, I, would, I would be interested in talking to Pete Carroll about it. Now, he'll be 73. Uh, his birthday's in September. He's 72 now. So he'll be 73, basically, when this season starts. So you'd be hiring him knowing the first game that he coaches for you He's 74, but he is such a youthful coach that, and obviously he's done it at such a high level at, in the in the collegiate realm, and he brings such credibility. Florida just needs to get established again. I mean, bring somebody in that you know is at least going to work. Like, the odds of Pete Carroll taking that job and being a disaster are, are nil. Like, Pete Carroll comes to Florida – 
and at the, at the very least, it might only be for four or five years, but he is going to be somebody that gets you back on solid ground. He's somebody that any player knows and respects. He's, an, he's a, one of the biggest stars in the profession. Uh, again, would he have an interest in it? I mean, that I don't know, but, uh, but it is an unbelievable college job, and right now Pete doesn't have a job, and I don't know that he's going to get one uh, when the NFL carousel starts again next year. So, um, you know, that would be sort of a wild card for me in this. But, yeah, I think uh, I think Brom, Drinkwitz uh, would be plan B and plan C guys if, if Kiffin says no. What about guys like Kyle Whittingham at Utah, Chris Kleeman at Kansas State? Uh, now you, I would worry a little bit about the lack of geographical connection for me. Um, but But this is going where I thought it would go. There's – Unlike 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when there's a bunch of what looked like great candidates, that's one more reason I hope it works. Now, listen, again, I, I don't I, – and maybe I'm, I'm 100% convinced Jed Fish isn't leaving after a year. And, frankly, if he left after a year, I'm not sure I'd want him because that tells me when's he, when's he leaving for the NFL. That's me personally. That, and, again, if he'd been at Arizona for three four years and the job came open, that's one thing. For me, when you're out of Washington, I would have to establish all the stuff. I, I wouldn't be interested. I think me. when it's your yeah. alma mater, you're allowed. And, 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 and no, I hear you. And I, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't debate you on that. But just for me personally, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I, 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 that would, that would give me. I think he's a really good coach, by the way. But that would give me some pause. One year, it would for me. Um, I don't see Lane Kiffin as the Florida coach. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it. I have been told by people close to Kiffin in the past that he would crawl to Gainesville for that job. I mean, he spent a lot of his youth in Florida. Dad was coaching in Tampa forever. He coached here with the Jaguars. He's been around here. Um, he coached at FAU. Yeah, he coached at FAU, and he was married. Uh, the mother of his children is Le- was Layla Reeves, the daughter of the late John Reeves, who was the ultimate Gator, the, the one of the great Gator quarterbacks of all time. So he knows all about the Gator history and lore and, and, and all that. So, so maybe Lane Kiffin would take it. But if it wasn't Lane, I don't think it would be Fish. And if it wasn't Kiffin, who it could be, I don't know that when Napier leaves, you go get a guy that I feel all that much better about. I guess that's my point. Maybe better as a football, a sideline coach. What about Brom? Now, Brom I'd feel pretty good about. Good point. Brom, but, but that's only because it's me because I know him a little bit. You know? but yeah. he just won 10 games yeah, with by, a team that I didn't watch a ton. By the way. But of the Louisville football I <laughs> yeah. watched, if, it, it, how he won yeah. 10 games if Jeff, with that litany of players and that quarterback yeah. if is Jeff, unbelievable if to If Jeff me. Brom would leave the alma mater, well, I'd might sign up for that one today. I, I, I might change my mind on the whole on all of it today. So Jeff Brahma would, but so you're right. That'd be a good choice. I just don't know. I think the day is oh. I mean, with all due respect, I want to say this the right way, okay? Hayes and Lauren, with all due respect to Kalen DeBoer, Alabama, the greatest football program in the country, probably. Is that is that safe to say? Yes, it's the best football program in America. That it is. Sorry, it's Ohio past State. Notre Dame. It's past Notre Dame. Yeah. It is past them. The best football program in America, Alabama, had to go get a guy that spent most of his career in the Dakotas, stopped by Fresno or San Diego State or one of them, had a couple good years in Washington, and he's the Alabama coach. That's how hard it is to get him. I mean, I mean, but don't you think following Saban played into that somewhat? I do. I do. Whereas I, at least I, with Florida, yeah. you're I, following I, somebody I, who was a disaster. I, I do think that. I, yes, and I, I do. But 
But, I mean, Florida's last coaches came from Louisiana, and one of them came from Colorado State, and, and one of them had been an assistant. Yeah, one came from Mississippi State. But for the most part, I just think it's so hard to find that guy now that, and, 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 and then to keep that guy when you find that guy. There's magical situations. Florida was in a magical situation when Stephen Orspurrier began proving himself as a coach at Duke, won an ACC title at Duke, which nobody has ever done, it feels like, and the Florida job came open. Now, there was a kind of magic there that you can't imagine. A different kind of magic happened when after Spurrier left and Ron Zook was there, who I didn't think should have been fired after three years. Part of that was personal because he's a friend that I didn't. But it just so happened that this Urban Meyer guy became all the rage and Florida became the open job and Jeremy Foley beat Notre Dame to him. Okay, so but you Which don't have. Which is still amazing if yeah. you think about it. The Florida yeah. beat Notre Dame. Georgia had magic happen after years of being good, not great, under Ray Goff and Jim Donnan and Mark Richt. Kirby Smart was available, and he was a Georgia guy. So the, that's, the, that's the ultimate magic that happened. Just like it happened with Florida and Spurrier, it happened with Georgia and Kirby Smart. That magic happened. You might not get lucky, but you might just go find the guy. Florida went and found Billy Donovan. Well, I'm not comparing Mike Norvell yet to Billy Donovan. He's got to win a couple of titles, but you get the point. FSU might have done something by going and finding the young star in Norvell. We'll see if that happens. Cristobal might be the magic. That might be the Kirby Smart situation, but it's just so hard to find that guy. It's just so hard. What that, if uh, Dion wins eight this year? Dion goes from four and eight to eight and four to Colorado. Florida? Not interested. No interest at all. And I think Dion's a good football coach. I think there's too much stuff going on with Dion. I think he might be in the NFL. I think he might be doing an inter- uh, uh, a reality show. I think there's for me there's too much going on. Now, if this had let's assume that Nick Saban didn't retire, and if Nick Saban didn't retire, Kalen DeBoer didn't leave Washington, and Jed Fish came back for a fourth year at Arizona, a Florida graduate, and then it happened. Then I'd probably feel differently. Then I'd feel like. Jed Fish was waiting in Tucson for the Florida job to open, just like we all know Steve Spurrier was waiting in Durham. I've told this story many times. The ACC meetings were here in Amelia, just uh, the media days meeting in July, and Spurrier was here, and I covered him in 89. And I remember, I've told you this story, and, I, and, I, and I, I said, Steve, what do you think about the Florida job? He says, Frank, I think Galen's going to be fine. He said, I think Galen's going to be fine. I said, all right, okay, you think that. But every, every Gator fan wants – you to be the next coach. You're doing great at Duke. And he looked, we were sitting by the pool. And he goes, I can't allow myself to think that way right now. I'm the Duke football coach. If I, if I sit around and, and think about, gosh, I hope Florida comes open, then I'm, then I'm doing Duke a, a disservice. It was a great answer, by the way. It's an honest answer. Yeah. And then Florida came open and got the job, and life was great. But I just, I just don't know, at least for me, that there's that guy out there, and let's, uh, Eli Drinkwitz doesn't excite me. I mean, he may be a good coach. I'm just being honest. Doesn't excite me. Pete Carroll, God bless his soul, I wouldn't want him to be the coach. Dion, I wouldn't want him to be the coach. Lane Kiffin, I probably would. Lane, uh, I, I think there's still some holes there. Uh, Jed Fish, I don't think, comes in a year. Um, Jeff Brom, I don't think, leaves the alma mater. So um, I guess that's my point. But that's where I'm going with the whole, the whole segment, is I don't know that there's a lot of great choices if it's not Napier, even though people would want the next guy. Don't you have to now, Frank, though, hire someone, even if you don't think they'll be there for the next five-plus years? 
you still have to make the hire for what's best in the situation. Oh, no question. Like, like who are you talking about? Just like you mentioned Jed Fish. You think yeah. he'd leave. Yeah. But if you thought he was the right guy, even yeah. if he only gave you the three years, yeah. you still have to hire and, him and, because of the college football landscape and I don't, we're in. And I don't know him well enough. I don't – and Hayes, maybe you feel differently about this. I know Florida's the alma mater, but I don't get this sense that Jed is big Gator guy. I just think he happened to go there. I, I don't I don't get the sense. He didn't play there. He wasn't a football player. He's had 7,000 jobs. Isn't he the one who left all the notes on Spurrier's he did. car? He did. Yeah. I think he's more football guy. Uh, he strikes me as a guy that, that, was, that didn't leave there as the world's biggest gator. I could be dead wrong. I don't know him. I mean, I, I say don't know him. I knew him here for a little bit. We kind of laughed. He, he, and out to his, in fairness now, he would ask me about the Gators every weekend. He, he, every weekend he'd ask about the Gators. So, but I just don't sense that he's dire. Steve Spurrier couldn't wait to get back to Gainesville. Kirby Smart couldn't wait to get back to Athens. I might be wrong, dead wrong, but I just don't see that. I see I, Jed, Jed as a guy that takes whatever good job. He's had like 14 jobs. Yeah, but I don't think that's all he's doing. And, and again, I would look at it this way. So Jed Fish has given Arizona incredible football success that they haven't had in a long time. He asks for some investment in the program. They basically tell him, no, uh, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're, we're satisfied with the investment. If you don't like it, you can leave. So he leaves. I, you know, I, I, and he goes to Washington. I, I think when it's, when it's your alma mater, I mean, I'd, I'd put you to, to, the, to the same. If you coached baseball yeah. and you were coaching, you were, co- you were the Arizona baseball coach, and right. then, you know, you get frustrated with their yeah. uh, de- athletic department. Yeah. So uh, you go to Washington, and you are coaching Washington, yeah. and then the Gators job comes open? Well, it dep- if it's me, because I'm a diehard Gator almost from birth, I mean, I was a Gator fan when I was five years old. I only applied to one school. I don't know that I sense that that's where Jed Fish is. And he might be, and I just might not know it. I'm just giving you my gut on it. My gut is that he's not that guy. Shane Matthews is that guy. Now, he, well, he wasn't a kid, but Shane Matthews and Kerwin Bell and those guys love the Gators. And maybe Jed does too. I just don't – that's not my read. That's not my read that he is. But if he said – if, yeah. if Jed Fish said – this is the only job I would have left Washington for. Oh, oh. Uh, this is yeah, this okay, is this is my dream you're job. Saying, this is where I, I hope I retire. Yes, you're saying would I turn him away? No, I would not. I see that that's what you're asking me. You're not asking me would he be interested. You're saying if he was interested, would I be interested in him? Oh, absolutely, I would. I, I misunderstood your question. I know, and I know I said earlier I wouldn't want him. That's probably not completely true. You know, I just I just don't I don't see that after a year. But and, may, and maybe he'd be the perfect guy, or maybe Kiffin be the perfect guy. I just the, the point of where I'm going with this is. If you don't get one of those guys, I don't know. I think it's harder to get guys now. Auburn fell into it. Hugh Freeze desperately wanted back into the SEC after all that happened. He's a really good coach. He's a really good recruiter. He's really good. And he wanted back in in the worst way. And Auburn, which had failed so miserably by getting a guy from Boise and from always being in Alabama's shadow and can't ever get it right, kind of had to take him. You know? you know what I mean? So that was the perfect storm. One guy dying to get back to the league in a school that, because of its desperation, had to take him. And I think, that, and I, I said all along, if that happens, look out. And I still feel like that. So, so again, now LSU went and got Brian Kelly. That's a really good find that I never would have thought of. So that's proof that that guy is out there. So I guess it's just, it'd be very interesting to see where that thing went if Billy Napier doesn't make it. Well, it, it, I feel like we'll know by probably like five games, six games into the season. Well, yeah, because if they don't start out strong, correct. Well, then, oh, he has no then, it, then it gets really Because yeah, it's so brutal yeah, on the he's, back. He's probably 
to not because, not that it would happen that weekend, it wouldn't, but to keep his job, he's probably got to beat Miami. Because if you lose the first one, and unless you win five in a row, which they're probably not going to do, then you got the gauntlet at the end. I, I, I think beating Miami – and 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 looking like you're better and looking like you finally found something in year three and you got your own guys in there and then you get some confidence because you got some home games, then maybe there's enough of a modicum of confidence that when you get to that gauntlet, you win one of them or two of them, right? So, uh, but anyway, hiring coaches is hard now. I guess that's the point of the topic. It's if you're hard. Hugh Freeze, do you leave Auburn for Florida? I don't think so. I I I, I don't I don't I don't no. I I think Florida's a better job than Auburn, but marginally better. I think it's marginal. For me, it's marginally better. I would expect that he wouldn't leave because he's so grateful. And maybe yeah. maybe this is wrong, but because he's grateful that Auburn took a chance on him. Yeah, but by the way, if I could have him, I'd probably do it now. I mean, I, I mean, I think you know how I feel about him. I think he's really, really good. So we'll take a break. Good segment. That's a lot of fun stuff. Back in a moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. All automotive services, Big Chief Tire can handle them for you. Visit BigChiefService.com for any of your automotive needs. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, RJ Saunders, and Lauren Brooks. All right, so Emmett Smith basically this week said that if he was the general manager... McCarthy, the head coach, would not be back. Hayes, the bigger question is, how have the Cowboys gotten to a place where, yes, they win double-digit games, but they have done really nothing in the postseason since of note since those three 90s championships? Yeah, it's amazing when you look at, at Dallas and, and just the unbelievable playoff failures that they have had. Uh, they have not won two games in a tournament since winning it all in 1995. I mean, that's remarkable. Just to put that in perspective, the Jaguars have done that multiple times, uh, win two games in the playoffs in, in, in a single tournament. Uh, the Cowboys haven't done it. I mean, and, and this, this year's loss to Green Bay to, to give up 48 points to Jordan Love and a bunch of really Wasn't young receivers. Wasn't I mean, that it wild just, how that happened? It was like they just didn't even show up, which it does make you wonder if, if – that's just such an albatross around the organization that when they get to that week, everybody is just so tight that they just play so poorly. Uh, you know, the year prior, uh, they beat Tampa Bay, who was a bad division champion. Uh, you know, then they go and, and lose at San Fran. Uh, in 21, they lost to the 49ers in their first game. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable going back through this that, that they haven't been able to win two games in a single playoffs, I mean, in almost 30 years. It's just, it, it, it's, it's, it defies really logic, and it, it just it speaks, I think, to, I, the, the only thing I can put my finger on is, is that they, there must be such a feeling of desperation and pressure when they get to the tournament, that they just play their worst football. And, you know, it's – and I don't know that, that that's going to greatly change with Mike McCarthy. I think they should have fired him, and I was stunned that they didn't. And I think all they've done is invite more pain next season. 
You know how many losing seasons they've had in the last 20? Probably not many. I would say like five. Three. Yeah. But they've had a lot of those eight and eights. They've had a lot of those. Nine and seven, eight and eight. They've dominated up until these last three years. They've had, they had a six and ten in the COVID year, and then a lot of those. Good. I just wonder. I just wonder if the enormous – because I've seen it with the Yankees. I've really seen it with the Yankees. Really saw it a little bit with the Celtics. The enormity of being the Dallas Cowboys weighs on you. I think there's something there. The enor- the Steelers are different. The Steelers are there's it's it's almost there's a blue collarness to them that even when it's bad we're kind of in this together, you know. Jerry Jones doesn't give off blue collaredness. No, and I think the Packers have that kind of blue collarness too, you know. Um, I, I think that's the, the Yankees don't have that. The Celtics clearly don't have that, and I just think there's pressure to be the by to be the Dallas Cowboys, and I think it wears on them, and I think it affects them, and I think it has a lot to do with the struggles. I, I just because you're right, Hayes, the Green Bay debacle this year, and again, Jordan Love was playing better at the end of the year. You made the point earlier. I agree with they probably should have beat the 49ers too, but how does that happen? When you are, you just finished off your third consecutive twelve-win season, and you get and you hang almost, and, and, and Green Bay practically puts half a hundred on you in your place. How does that happen? Well, it happens because I think your quarterback doesn't play well in the postseason, yeah. and we've well, they seen scored him beat, thirty-two points. I mean, but I, but he threw what yeah, at least two pick one pick sixes. six. Yeah, yeah two yeah, pick yeah, sixes. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, that's if, if you're right. You're right. If you do that, that neutralizes someone at thirty-two, doesn't it? No, yeah, and that yeah. helps. And the, the thirty-two was and the thirty-two was a false number because they were playing uphill the whole game. And oh yeah, what were they down? down? Like twenty-one-three at the yeah, half, something or something like that. that. So, so it's, it's just, that's that's the thing. And if you're Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy. What do you do about that? I mean, Dak Prescott, we thought was having an MVP season half of the year, but you can't replace him, can you? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just bizarre that the struggles have been this significant. They they've been this just this this significant for them. And 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 is it is it maybe just Dak? Dak had a wonderful year statistically. But is it Dak to your to Lawrence point? Dak in the postseason, is that the problem? Is it can you oversimplify is that oversimplifying it or is that it? I think that's a, a healthy portion of it. Um, you know, I, I think in going back and and looking at that game, Dak did throw the um the pick sixes. What I what I think happened in that game is just how quickly Green Bay got going. And this is why I would put some more of it on the defense. So Green Bay gets the ball, they score a touchdown right out of the gate. So now, obviously, there's some degree of of concern on the sideline. Then they do force a punt. Then they score a touchdown on both drives uh, in the second quarter. And then they score a touchdown on both drives in the third quarter. So, I mean, they were really chasing the whole game. And and so I do think at least this failure was more on the defense because it created the defense failing early, I think, created a panic that Dak Prescott then threw gasoline on yes. by uh, trying to, to make something big happen. So, I mean, it was a collective failure. Uh, but but I, I would say that the defense was more responsible because, I mean, honestly, Green Bay scored on six of their first seven drives. I mean, it just – I, I just think that we talk so much about complimentary football when, when, 
when your defense, who's been pretty good all year, is just un- unable to stop anything, I do think that permeates through the rest of the phases of the game. And I, and I think this, too. The, uh, when you're a team that has typically failed in big moments, the minute you start to fail in those moments, you expect it again. We've seen that a thousand times. Sure. When you're a team that typically has come through in big moments, even when things go badly, you're calm because you know your history is we come through in these moments. I, I think that I think that I think the Cowboys are a real victim of that. Oh boy, oh boy, what are they going to say? What are the papers going to say? What are the fans going to say? What's Jerry going to say? And I think the minute it's again, when you, how many times have we seen it in college rivalries? How many times when Florida was being dominated by Georgia, then the other way around, then FSU dominated by my is when you expect – I mean, you know why FSU missed all those kicks wide right? Because everybody in the stadium expected them to miss it wide right, probably including the kickers, right? Yeah. That's why you miss them wide right, because 80,000 people there were waiting for you to miss it wide right, and you were waiting to miss it wide right, and you missed it wide right. And I think, that, I think, the, I think, I think there's something to that with the Dallas Cowboys. I really do. There's no doubt about it. And uh, of all the NFL organizations, uh, Dallas is, I'd say, head and shoulders starved for – uh, tournament success like the Bills are, are starving to finally win the Lombardi uh, but they've at least been they've had runs at least like Dallas just can't get any momentum going I mean again I, and I don't mean to pick on the Jaguars but but they have won multiple games in a single playoff on multiple occasions since the Cowboys last did it in 1995 so I it, it it's it's even more I think uh, a pressure point for Dallas because of what you you've said. I mean they they routinely are competitive. They usually have a winning record, but they just cannot put it together when they have to. And you have to think that's that's a pressure, uh, a, an emotional, a mental problem more than it is an X's and O's issue. Well, if you certainly thought it was the defense, certainly it was that one game. But Mike Zimmer now hired as defensive coordinator after Dan Quinn. Left, I think Mike Zimmer's a great defensive coach. I do too. So that should, certainly should help them. I think the part of it where the defense failed was a little bit of an outlier. But the NFL is a you know it's not four out of seven in the NFL. You know you get one crack at it. the The beauty of football is the urgency of every football moment. You know it's not all these other sports are series. Hey, could have a bad game. I also think teams buy into it. Like I think Green Bay. When they had some early success, I think on their sideline it was, oh, Dallas is going to choke again. You know, let's let's take it. Because the same Green Bay team. There's some truth to that. Had San Francisco on the ropes the next week and a really good point. faltered. That's a very good point. When, when the team that expects to collapse at the end because they have been collapsing at the end starts to, the opponent – that's a great point. The opponent also knows that team – tends to collapse at the end, so they expect them to, which gives them confidence. Steve Spurrier used to tell me, we, you, you, when Florida played Kentucky, well, that was back in the day, I guess that's kind of changed, hasn't it? But, but, <laughs> sorry, that was for you. But the, when, when Florida played Kentucky or Vanderbilt, you, were, you, you had a lead before the game started because everybody in the park thought you were better than them. And same when Alabama played someone now, or FSU played someone, or Miami. You, were, you, had, you had a lead the, the, the minute the game started. The uh, and 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 I think that's part of it too. I uh, we'll close this segment on this, uh, on how the emotion met. I, my my favorite again, stories you've heard many times. Um, my favorite 
Gino Toretta, Brett Bielema story. It, that's my favorite story. We, 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 we meet Bielema before one of the games. I guess it was Wisconsin game, Arkansas, probably Wisconsin game we're doing. And Bielema goes, Gino shakes his hand, and Bielema goes, well, you shook my hand this time. And Gino goes, bro, if I, if I, coach, have I, met, have, I, have I blown you off before? He says, I was a linebacker at Iowa. I was one of the captains. Gene Stino starts smiling. He says, we came out there and had the coin toss. I went to shake your hand. You guys just turned away. We wouldn't shake any of our hands. I thought, okay, you're not going to shake our hands? Okay, you think so? Really? You think you're so tough? They're playing at Iowa, by the way. You think you're so tough? Okay, okay, okay. He said, well, 47 to 3 later, I realized why you wouldn't shake our hands. And, and I remember Gino saying, hey, Coach, that wasn't me. That was when our linebackers, when, when Jesse Armstead and Darren Smith said we weren't shaking hands, we weren't shaking hands, you know. So, but the point was, Iowa was beat before that game started. Before, oh, before the game even started, and I think there, I think there's sometimes you're beat, and sometimes you're you, because you, you psychology. Have, yeah, the the self fulfilling prophecy. I think it really happens. What's even worse though is be, like Gino had no idea who Brett Bielema was. <laughs> he, he didn't know he <laughs> He also didn't. Not remember only him, did he snub him once before, he, he, like, he knew he knew Bielema the coach, <laughs> not Bielema the linebacker. That is true, by the way. He did not know that he had played linebacker Ouch. at Iowa, and that's that, that's a funny story. We'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, let's talk about the Super Bowl one more time to talk about the matchups, the key. Uh, key players in the game, surprise player in the game. We are uh, two days away. Some Super Bowl talk as we get to the 5 o'clock hour. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football. Football at 5. 5 o'clock somewhere. On the Frangie Show. We are one hour away from the end of this show in... About 48, nope, 49 hours and 20 minutes away from kick. Let's talk a little Super Bowl, starting with my man Hayes Carlion. Now, Hammer Time with Hayes, brought to you by Golden Hammer Roofing and Gutters, the golden standard in roofing. I want to talk about conviction today as we look at the Super Bowl, and, and we talked a little bit about this earlier in the week, but it does apply to the Jaguars because there's a very valuable lesson that they can learn from both the Chiefs and 49ers. And it is about conviction and talent and being able to identify talent that isn't necessarily first round talent and be able to develop those players into elite starters for a championship run. One of these two teams is going to be the Super Bowl champion. The other one is going to uh, be the conference champion. So both outstanding seasons. Let's start with San Francisco. We, we know Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, seventh rounder. Obviously, that's remarkable. But it goes even beyond that. George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. Greenlaw, the talented linebacker, fifth-round pick. Fred Warner was a third-round pick. And then Debo Samuel was a second-round pick. That's an incredible amount of talent to pull when none of those guys were first-round selections. I also think you have to admire the fact that they traded for Christian McCaffrey in an era where everybody says, why would you do that? Running backs are devalued. They saw an opportunity to add a big-time player, and it's worked out marvelously. Now when you look at the Chiefs, again, conviction. And, and Patrick Mahomes was a first-round pick, but he wasn't uh, unanimous. So this is a top-five guy. Obviously, he fell out of that. The Chiefs had made the playoffs with Alex Smith. 
things were going pretty smooth, but they knew that there was something special in Patrick Mahomes, and they traded up to secure him. But even beyond that, Travis Kelsey was a third-round pick. Chris Jones was a second-round pick. Pacheco, a seventh-round selection, and Snead, a fourth-round pick. Those are the kind of home runs that the Jaguars have got to start hitting if they're ever going to really realize their potential. Now, obviously, it's easy to pick on any organization when you compare them to the Chiefs and the 49ers in terms of these mid-round picks working out. But the Jaguars have got to get better at it. When you look at the players that are on second contracts here, it's just not a who's who of talent. It's Cam Robinson and Dewan Smoot and Logan Cook and Devon Hamilton. And, you know, again, hopefully this changes with Josh Allen and, and we'll see. But you've got to take advantage of those mid to late round picks. The Chiefs and 49ers have done a magnificent job of that. And it's a big reason why they're going to compete for the Lombardi Trophy on Sunday. Well said. And uh, two loaded rosters, no question about it. I also think on the flip side, you have to be willing to move on from a guy, even though you may have drafted him somewhat high. And I think, for instance, for this organization, not to pick on Caleb Von Chason, but that's a guy that I think the Jaguars needed to have moved on from and yeah. replaced him with a, a more talented player. And the 49ers recognized that Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance were not the answer at their quarterback position and the Chiefs realized it with Alex Smith just because a, a player is solid doesn't mean that they're going to be able to lead you to a Super Bowl no question about it. agree with all that as for this specific game the uh key matchups Hayes give me two or three matchups and by the way let me say this about this you made it you mentioned Drake Greenlaw it's not a surprise that the end in, in today's football by the way there's two linebackers now so if you play a base there's three and if you play a 3-4, there's four. But the truth is there's two linebackers in the middle of the field. No matter what you're in, even if you're a 4-3, you say there's three linebackers. There's really not because the, the Sam linebackers line up on the line of scrimmage. Even in a 4-3, your two linebackers are – your Mike and your Will are there. Your Mike and your Will in today's football, everything's two inside linebackers, all right? Well, Mick Bolton and Willie Gay might be as good as there is in football. I can tell you that. They're certainly as fast as there is in football. And Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw, Hayes, to your point, I don't know that there. I don't know that any of the other thirty teams have as good of Mike and Will as Bolton and Gay on the Chiefs and Warner and Greenlaw on the 49ers. Those the two inside linebacker spots are really, really critical. They're re both those teams are great at those two spots. Yeah, no doubt about it. And again, it's, you know, I, I think in terms of looking at matchups, uh, I think Pete hit a, a good point. Can the 49ers defend the the run? Because you're obviously going to be so worried about Mahomes and Kelsey, uh, but the Chiefs have a nice power run game. And San Francisco has struggled with that in the tournament. So can that get established early? I I think the biggest thing for me is can the Chiefs have the kind of concentration that they were able to have at the beginning of the AFC title game when Mahomes and Kelsey were making plays that were just unbelievable uh, on those first couple of drives. I mean, money downs, third down plays, fourth down conversions. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, that's going to be just magnificent to see if, if they're even remotely close to that. If they are, then San Francisco is going to be behind early. And then it's, you know, for, uh, I think for San Francisco, it's, can, can they get Brock pretty comfortable? If they can get Brock pretty comfortable, 
I think they're going to be in good shape. Uh, Kansas City's defense is elite. Obviously, they have a fantastic coordinator. And uh, that, I think, is going to be the concern for San Francisco. I think McCaffrey will get his numbers. But if Brock Purdy is unsettled, then I think it's going to uh, be difficult for the 49ers to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think whoever's blocking Chris Jones, the interior of that San Francisco 49ers offensive line, good luck because he's so difficult to block. And then whoever's trying to cover Kelsey, because they're going to obviously change it up. It's not going to be one person following Kelsey all game. And then on the flip side, the Chiefs' secondary is really good, but so are those 49ers receivers. And I think if if Purdy can't get comfortable to Hayes' point and find Ayuk and find Debo and Juwan Jennings, if they have decent days, then I think that that's when, yeah, there will be more running room for McCaffrey. That might be the matchup of the game. Brandon Ayuk and Juwan Jennings and – Debo, when he's playing receiver, against McDuffie and Sneed and that second, that might be the matchup of the game. Because you're right, everybody knows you got to block Chris Jones and Karloftis. And and the Chiefs are going to do what they're going to do. They're going to do enough offensively, we feel, because they generally do. That might be the matchup, Lauren. That that might be if Ayuk and Jennings don't have big games, that, that bodes very well for the Chiefs. I think it's a wonderful game. Uh, golly, I think it's going to be a wonderful game. I think um, I can't wait to watch both quarterbacks. I really can't. I, I, I get this feeling that uh, I've changed my mind, not on who's going to win, but I've changed my mind on where the score is, I think. I may be becoming more with you, Lauren. It may be more points than people think. I may go 31-27 Chiefs now. Before I had it in the, that 17-10, 17-14, 21-17 game, I got a hunch it's going to be more than that. I saw the most predicted score as far as gambling is concerned, betting is concerned, 31-21 Chiefs. Okay, that's I, the most, it is. That's R- the most really. predicted Chiefs. score, and, and most money has been on that score, I'm gonna go thir- I didn't know that. I'm going to go 31-27 Chiefs. I think that's going to be my score. What's your fun? Give me a score. The score I gave in the video and uh, today, 30-28 Chiefs. 30, okay. So almost same game. Same game. Really same game. Yeah, what you disliked if, my hot take, but I you're did, stealing my you, score. Very good point on both. <laughs> How about you? I've got a little lower scoring. I've got Kansas City 23, San Francisco 20. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, Florida-Auburn basketball on the docket. We'll talk a little bit about last night's games. JU a winner, UNF not a winner. And Florida a very, very, very big game tomorrow at home against Auburn. That's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. of a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. This is cool. NFL Network showing the knocks when they when the Hall of Famers were told. It's amazing. And uh, Fred is going to get in. He's going to get one of those knocks one day. I can't, I can't wait to see who they have doing. You know that? Yeah. Well, I think I, I think it's got to be Tony, right? Yeah, you would, yeah, you, would, yeah. Yeah, you would think. That's what I would think. If it's an existing Hall of Famer, yeah. That's yeah. Right. That's right. Cool. Um, it was interesting because Chris Carter was the yeah. one that told Andre Johnson, right. which I didn't. I don't know the connection there. Now the Texans have never had a Hall of Famer before, so it's not like mm-hmm. there's right. you know one that can do it there. And you know, and and they didn't play. To, obviously, they didn't play for the same college or anything. So I don't know the uh, the connection there. But obviously, seeing Dungy tell Freeney and uh, Bryant Young tell. Patrick Willis. I mean, there were some fantastic ones in there. Yeah, so it, it really was. It was good. very cool to see. Florida Gators, Auburn Tigers basketball tomorrow. Gigantic game for Florida, trying to get in. Emotional game for Todd Golden. That is his mentor. Um, uh, Bruce Pearl is really why Todd Golden has the job, why he's a head coach. 
and Bruce Pearl is a really good coach, and they are really close. They've coached together a long time. Um, the Gators can win. Auburn, to the point you've made all along, three and three on the road, um, two and three against quad one opponents, and that's what this is. Um, an important game for not a dire game, but boy, oh boy, if you can win this one, and if your resume has victories at Kentucky and home against Auburn right after Auburn just uh, gutted Alabama, who boy would that be big for the Gators? Yeah, it'd be gigantic. I I think I think the game tomorrow is I uh, I would phrase it as if you win it, it's sensational because it pretty much locks Florida in. Uh, barring some bad losses. I think they could lose their remaining quad one games. And as long as they were 5-0 and in the games that aren't quad one, I think they would have enough to get in. Uh, if you lose, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, but it, obviously, it's it's one more opportunity that goes by the wayside. And you are at home. And to Florida's credit, they've been good at home. They're 9-1 and in Gainesville with the only loss being to, obviously, a talented Kentucky team in a very close game that Florida controlled. Uh, Auburn's three and three on the road, but they've got a lot of they've got a lot of talent that I think is going to bother Florida. They've got the best defense in the country when it comes to uh, interior defense. Uh, so I would expect Clayton and Pullen to really be aggressive shooting the three. Is this could be a Kugel game where you see Riley Kugel uh, be given the chance to get hot from from distance because Auburn just does not give up a lot inside. And even though the Gators have Samuel and Condon and Han Logden, guys that, that are capable of scoring inside. Auburn does a phenomenal job. Again, better than anybody in the country at it. They're great at blocking shots. So, I, you know, I think the other thing in a game like this is the crowd's going to be electric. Does that affect the officials at all? Uh, does, does Florida get a favorable whistle? Uh, do, does, do, does Auburn get in, in some front court foul trouble? You know, that can certainly uh, affect how a game goes. I I'm I think Auburn wins it, uh, but I think it's incredibly close. I uh, I don't think it it it's not going to affect how I view Todd Golden in the program. I still think they're going to get into the tournament, but I I think tomorrow the matchup, despite being at home, I think Auburn finds a way to win the game. It's crazy to me that Bruce Pearl has been at Auburn now for ten seasons. Has like, it been ten years? How is yeah? The time goes that. by is that so right? fast. Well, yeah, I would have guessed that. The fact that I would have guessed six. Right. Auburn hasn't won in Gainesville since 1998. Like that's unbelievable for how good Auburn's been as a basketball program under Bruce Pearl. So yeah, certainly the rowdy reptiles are going to have to be very hoarse at the end of this game. I think this is one of those games, Frank, where Florida has to be either leading or very close at halftime, kind of like the Kentucky win. Because if they're down by anywhere near 10 points at the half, I think Auburn runs away with it because Auburn is so incredibly talented. Florida's got to make shots in this game. Now, that's the, you could say that about any game, but they got to make shots. I, I think the most important thing here is if they're, whether it's Clayton, sometimes it's Kugel, uh, Pullen only seems to take threes when he has to. You ever notice that? He's not he's not looking to shoot a three. But but Richard – He'll and, need to be more aggressive yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, probably. But Richard, Kugel, and, and Clayton are looking to shoot threes. Um, they've Kugel got doesn't it. know what he's looking to do, I feel Kugel's like. Kugel's weird, though. He plays totally out of control. But what, but he's a pretty good three point shooter. If he did, but he, he has to have the right look. I feel like, or he he's not he, sure. He doesn't know when to shoot it. Yeah. He I mean Clayton 
I mean, Richard. If Richard gets even a glimpse, mm-hmm. he's letting it fly. If he, I mean, if he gets even a, he's gonna he's looking to catch and shoot almost every time. There, there's no bad three Florida takes tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. There is that's no bad. Totally agree because they're Cam not going to score. Yeah. Take it. Yeah, right. Well, good point. Because but they're not going to score inside. Yeah, I agree. So, very often. So, but 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 Richard is looking to let it fly the minute he touches it. Clayton is pretty much that way, and he's got a quick release. Kugel will catch it. He'll have an open three. He will take it. He'll hold it for a second. Not sure what to do. Dribble, and then maybe he takes it. And so, yeah. so, so, but they, but they've got to make three tomorrow. You got to make. I agree with you, Hayes. You got to take them, and you got to make them. You got to make threes if they, and they've got to play fast. My concern is there's now a formula to stop Florida, and that's that zone. They have not been good against those zones. And I thought that three quarter court press that that who they just play A and M that three quarter court press. That's how the A&M beat them. Florida could never solve it. They, they didn't turn them over. It's just it took so long to get up court, Florida never found a rhythm offensively. Well, that, he's had a week to fix it. He's, and, and hopefully he can because you got to believe that's now the formula. That's the formula is they're not good against the zone, and they're really not good. That press takes them out of that tempo, and they're never able to get back into it. And so for Florida to win that game, you got to believe Auburn's going to do that some. I mean – can any anybody that plays Florida is going to do it some now, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. And, and so, again, yeah. Bruce Pearl is. Yeah. I mean, he's he's had some run-ins with the NCAA. He's a great coach. But he's won 668 games in his career. So, I mean, he is. And, and again, it always is interesting. It doesn't seem like in basketball it's as big a deal when it's the mentor versus the pupil. In football, it almost seems like the mentor wins 95% of those games. Uh, Todd Golden did lose to Bruce Pearl last year at Auburn. But it was 61-58, to 58. and this is, again, this is why I have confidence in Todd Golden because this was the team that Florida had last year uh, when they lost at Auburn. This was their starting five. Alex Fudge, Colin Castleton, uh, Trey Bonham, Richard, and Kyle Lofton. This team is so much better. Yeah, these guys are better than those guys? I'm going to go out on a limb <laughs> and say that this team, this Florida team would That's beat true. last year's on average, if they played 100 yeah. times, would beat them by so, 10 points. So if you win this game, I do think they're going to beat LSU Tuesday night at home. I, I'm, yes. I'm pretty confident in that one. That's a home. They're very good at home. LSU's just a pedestrian team. So if you can somehow win this game, then you win beat LSU. Now you're 17-7 and seven and 7-4. Seven and four. They've been this close to getting to that, that point with the, of acceptance. They were close. After Kentucky, they were close to the point of con- acceptance, and then they lost to A&M. You know that? They, if, they can win, if they can win this and follow it up with LSU. See, they had the big win against Kentucky, but then they had the tough road game after it. Now if they win this, they've got the winnable home game after it. If you get to 17-7 and seven and 7-4, seven and I've then got to believe you're in. Then I then I would think it would take the great collapse at that point. I, I would agree. I mean, right now, uh, again, Lenardi has them in. Uh, I wouldn't say safely. They're right like in. the final team that gets to a bye. Right. Uh, so but what that tells you is they're like fifth in. Yeah. Um, and, and so, obviously, if they beat Auburn, uh, it's going to do wonders for their resume. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just would say, like, if they if they do lose tomorrow – then it's, it puts pressure on you because you have to win between two games against Alabama and a game at South Carolina. You've probably got to get at least one of those to feel good, and you might need two of them to not need to do anything in the S. You'll definitely need two if you take on a bad loss. Right. Uh, so I, I, I don't think it's devastating if they lose uh, tomorrow, but it's 
it is stupendous for their resume if they get the win. If they get the win tomorrow, they're going to have to kind of mess it up if they, to not get in on Selection Sunday. If they win tomorrow, and then I'm going to assume the win over LSU, that's 17 and 7 and 7 and 4. So that's seven. That's seven. We, we all agree 10 wins in the league before the tournament gets them in. Well, then they'd have seven, and they'd have two Vanderbilt games and a Missouri game left, despite everything else. And at Georgia, yeah, which right, isn't, I right. mean, that's daunting. Right. But, but, I, but, I, but two Vanderbilts and a Missouri, and you're at already seven wins, then, then you can exhale. You're right. They might win at Georgia. They might win at home against Alabama. They might win at South Carolina. But the point is, if you can get – I th- in my mind, after tomorrow, LSU, Missouri, and the two Vanderbilt games are games I think they're going to win. I hope they win at Georgia, and I hope they win at South Carolina, but I'm not super confident in either one of them. Georgia, even though South Carolina is ranked and Georgia didn't, they split and played both games right down to the wire. I think Georgia's be better. Be more confident in Georgia than South well, Carolina. Well, sure, sure, sure. But I, 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 we'll see. But I'm, but I am confident they're going to beat LSU. That, that's the one I've got a lot of confidence in, and uh, and we'll see. We'll see. Georgia, I don't know about Georgia. Georgia came back and they played an overtime game, and I think, I think Florida's better than Georgia, but I think they're close. I think they're close. LSU doesn't look like they've got a good team this year. Right, I mean, so no, and that game's in Gainesville, so so big game for the Gators. We'll see if they win. Um, UNF tough loss last night. UNF, yeah, Chaz Lanier put up thirty five points against North 35. Alabama, but they lost seventy nine seventy five. Yeah, and they they roared back to make it close. Yeah, they were down by seventeen. They were there. They roared back to make it close, uh, but lost the game. Ju was down eight in the first half against Central Arkansas, but they played one of those defensive games that Jordan Mincy prefers. Found a way to it was this close to the very end. And they thank had, goodness they had a certain person back. Yeah, Bryce Workman came back and played well. Made he made two free throws at the end of the game to to cinch it. So at least Ju still UNF's fine. They're middle of the pack, and at least Ju's now in striking distance. Like we talked about with Jordan Mincy, you got to get in the tournament. No matter what else happens, you got you got to make the tournament. And hopefully, uh, hopefully Ju and UNF both will. That's the the ASUN tournament. We'll take a break. Lauren's going to wrap the program in news and notes right after this. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. You know, well, I'm a chicken fried. A cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And a radio Chicken Fried say the weekend is almost upon us. By the way, Frank, speaking of country music, Luke Combs saying should have been a cowboy at Ryman Auditorium in honor oh, wow. of Toby Keith. Yeah. Since you're a new Luke Combs fan, I recommend finding the video and, and listening to it. I will. I'll bet it was good. I'll bet it was good. My, probably, uh, probably my favorite Toby Keith song. Uh, mine too, for sure. All right, we talked all about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If you missed it, Fred Taylor did not make it in. Uh, we are, are certainly hoping for next year, but the five that made it in, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Patrick Willis, Dwight Freeney, Julius Peppers, the two we didn't talk about, and I forget the category that they're in, but Randy Gratishar and Steve McMichael, mo- known to most as Mongo, they were really good defensive players, and so they now get to join the class. Yeah, Steve McMichael was in the, the 85 Bears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He played next to, to Dan Hampton and Richard Dent. That's right. And uh, Fridge Perry, that was the defensive line. That's a pretty good mm-hmm. defensive line. It was Singletary and Otis Wilson and Wilbur Marshall were the linebackers. If I can name yeah. all 11, yeah. which I can, it must be a pretty good defense. That was the 85 Bears. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, Dent called McMichael, who obviously is in very poor health. So uh, that was certainly a, a magical moment. And, uh, yeah, that was disappointing, though, that the uh, the seniors committee – so they 
they nominated an older coach, Buddy Parker, I believe is his yes. name, uh, who was a coach for the Lions 70 years ago, uh, and he didn't get in, which I don't know how that affects, you know, Coughlin, obviously there's Shanahan, Holmgren, you know, guys, there's, there's a backlog of coaches that are worthy. So it was kind of a surprise when it was Buddy Parker that got the nod, but then he didn't actually get the, the 80% needed to get in. So I don't know where that's going to leave, you know, Tom Coughlin's candidacy, who's, you know, again, somebody that should absolutely be in the Hall absolutely of Fame. Absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully he gets there. Yeah, I wonder, can Fred Taylor and Tom Coughlin both go in? Now, I thought about that. first ballot for I Tom. I thought about them going in together. Yeah, ran through my mind. Yeah, because Coughlin wouldn't count in the five right. that Fred would be right, in. Right. So, But it would have to be first ballot for him because he hasn't been on the ballot yet, Tom Coughlin, right? Right. Yeah. All right, Lamar Jackson became— Well, first ballot is sort of— No, it, it, it's a different dynamic. Yeah, but anyway, okay. we're getting in the weeds a little bit. <laughs> Lamar Jackson became the 11th player in NFL history to win multiple MVP awards. Do you want to try and name all the other ones who have won multiple MVPs? Oh, Lord. Peyton. There are, Brady. There are 10. Okay, good uh, job. Brayton Brady Favre. Um, Adrian Peterson? He is not one of them. Um, Tomlinson? He is not one of them. Montana? Montana. Think yeah. more quarterbacks. There is. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's certainly more quarterbacks. Uh, so, uh, Montana. Elway? He's not one of them. Unitas? Yes. Okay. Um, Okay, that's Actually, how many do we have so far? They're so, all quarterbacks? All quarterbacks. That, now oh, that I wow. look at this list. Brady, you have Brady, you have Favre, you have Unitas, you have Montana. Who else have you said that are quarterbacks? You said, oh, you said uh, Marino? Marino, no. Multiple, well, hang on, multiple. So this uh, Staubach? Nope. Bradshaw? Nope. He was MVP. And there is, I lied to you, there is one running back, and we talked about him a lot when we talked about Fred Taylor. Barry Sanders? Nope, the one who talked about Fred Taylor. I don't know. I, I can't. Yeah, I just give us the who, who are they? Okay, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Jim Brown, Patrick Mahomes, Steve Young, and Kurt Warner. Okay, I should we should have known Mahomes, yeah. dummy, dummy me. Uh, the comeback player of the year was Joe Flacco. A lot of people wanted that to be uh, Demar Hamlin because yeah. of his. And I agree with Dane Brugler's tweet who said there's a comeback story of the year. That's Demar yeah. Hamlin. And then there's a comeback player of the year, which is Joe Flacco. And I think it should have been Flacco. I think they got it right. Do you agree or disagree that offensive player of the year is different than, than MVP? It, it, what it does is I, I think it's the same. But it gives you a chance to name two guys, so that's fine. I, 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 look, the MVP could be a defensive guy. you know. So, but I, um, but I, but, hey, you know what? I have no problem with a lot of people getting uh, to have a nice day. So I'm fine with that. Hayes, what did you think about a guy with only 14 sacks being named Defensive Player of the Year in Miles Garrett? He, he is sensational. I mean, th that's one where, again, you can't just focus on one stat. I agree. I, I mean, so Miles Garrett, I think, had a dominant season. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I think he's a very worthy defensive player. Yeah, I don't know that I'd pick him on my team ahead of Micah Parsons. But as far as the year he had, I, I'm totally okay, totally okay with that. Don't disagree at all. Uh, I don't think there was much surprise. Offensive Rookie of the Year, C.J. Yeah. Stroud. I think we knew that yeah. pretty much halfway through the season. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Will Anderson. Agree or disagree with Coach of the Year being Browns, Kevin Stefanski, or should it have gone to D'Amico Ryans? Uh, I could live with either. I could live with either. I, I probably, If you had asked me to vote, I probably would have said Ryans because I'm more familiar with. 
But I can live with either. I would have voted for Ryan's. Uh, Stefanski is is now a multiple winner of this, which is yeah, interesting because he he's he's sort of gone from coach of the year to hot seat to that? coach yeah. of the year. I wasn't um, watching, but I guess they called him Steven Stefanski. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, y'all. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but he did a great job. Obviously, uh, the quarterback uh, situation that they had was very difficult, and uh, he was able to get. Some really good play out of Joe Flacco. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's worthy. But I think what D'Amico Ryans did, Cleveland was supposed to be good. I mean, they, they had a really well-balanced, talented roster. Cleveland. Houston was supposed to be, like, one of the worst teams in the league. And to win the division and, again, it makes me wonder, do some of these votes get turned in too early? Like, somebody voted, gave Travis Etienne a third-place vote for Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, did you turn that vote in and on Halloween? Right, right. I mean, how could you possibly justify that? So, I mean, it does make me wonder, uh, you know, if, if for whatever reason people kind of made their minds up on Stefanski. And we've seen this with this award. We saw it last year. We did when uh, McAdoo, not McAdoo, uh, the Giants coach, uh, uh, Dayball, Dayball, Dayball yeah. uh, won it. Which I thought he was like the third or fourth best I guy. Too. I would I have given too. it to Shanahan but, over him. I would have given it to but he had, but he had Peterson one, but over But he had him. one by the first of November. You're right yeah. about that. Yeah. And finally, Walter Payton, man of the year, went to Pittsburgh Steelers defensive tackle Cameron Hayward. Yeah, and he's really beloved in that market. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Good news for Don Smoot as he at least got to attend yeah. uh, with his wife. Frank, what will you be watching this weekend? Well, uh, uh, the best bet, what to watch, is always brought to you by the best bet. All kind of fun stuff going on all the time. Uh, including all day today. It started at 10 this morning, 24K day. That's at Best Bet Jacksonville. They're giving away $24,000, and it's going all the way to 2 a.m. tonight. So head out there. And, of course, uh, the kickoff, they're kicking off next week, the Best Bet Orange Park, $80 satellites uh, into the um, uh, some major, major events coming up, including a $50,000 guarantee. So you're going to want to certainly uh, hit that. By the way, what I'm going to watch, by the way, is called the Super Bowl. I think I can tell you what, the, what I'm going to watch. Best Bet, what to watch is kind of easy. So uh, I'd watch the Super Bowl. By the way, you brought up um, should have been a cowboy. I did. Did you ever hear the story of how Toby Keith wrote should have been a cowboy? I don't think so. You ever heard a story? You, you probably- uh, I have not. <laughs> it's a great story. So I'm watching this documentary on how he how he wrote it. I had not either. Um, it's a great story. So he's going pheasant hunting because, of course, he is. Well, naturally, with his buddies. Wearing camo, I'm sure. And uh, and he goes pheasant hunting and a bunch of guys and just like 18 guys on a pheasant hunting trip. They two two to a room, just like when you go to a golf trip. And he says they're at a bar, and uh and these guys are hanging out. And one of his buddies, I guess they're middle aged guys, whatever. They're just country bar, I guess, or whatever bar. I mean, where else is Toby Keith going to in a country bar? Goes to a bar, and one of his buddies sees this hot girl across the room. Says, "I'm gonna go ask her to dance." Walks up and asks her to dance. She says no. They're wearing him out as he comes back. He comes and sits back down. A minute later, this young guy, cowboy hat, <laughs> cowboy clothes, belt buckle the size of your garage, boots, goes up and asks her to the dance. They go up on, on they go up to the dance floor. And one of his other, bu- other buddies says to that guy, hey, you should have been a cowboy. Toby Keith says, nods. They go back to the room. His roommate falls asleep. He goes and sits, you know, the little table across from the yeah, double bedroom. The desk. Said, Wrote it in 20 minutes. Wow. So he said he wrote, should have been inspired, inspired by that moment on the pheasant hunting trip. Isn't that a cool story? I love went that. And sat at, went and sat at the table and wrote, should have been a cowboy. And by the way, I think Toby Keith would go to any bar. didn't have to be a country yeah, bar. No. <laughs> I don't think he had a But I, I thought that was a, he said that's, but that's I lo- what, Yeah, I love that story. He I said will the fez, say. He said, he said, my buddy got shut down, and the cowboy went and got the girl to dance, and 
And one of the one of guys said, hey, man, you should have been a cowboy. He went back and wrote the song. <laughs> I will say, whether it's true or not, women believe that cowboys, as, as rough and tumble as they might be, they're really good dancers. You're always going to think that a cowboy can two-step. I had no idea. Is that the thing? Absolutely. You think they can they can dance. I don't know why. Well, Maybe they well, were raised to dance. Just I'm not a cowboy. <laughs> and if you've ever seen me dance, it explains a lot, okay? It all, it all, kind, of, it all kind of makes sense now. Ask so, your wife. See if that's yeah. a, a true thing or not. Uh, all that. right, we talked about uh, all different sports today, but we haven't gotten to baseball. Frank, this one question I thought was interesting. They were asking Mark Feinsan of MLB.com, yep. do you think any of the big four free agents remaining, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, will sign by next Thursday? He said, of course, Scott Boris is the agent for all of them, so he's never been in a hurry to make a deal, they believe, or he believes the only one who will sign is Montgomery by Thursday. It's amazing that many really good, really good players are out there. Uh, Bellinger, everybody kind of gave up on him, and he had the resurgent year, so I don't blame him. Blake Snell, just kind of a jerk. Uh, Montgomery came out of nowhere, so I would have thought he'd be signed by now. I would. Who's the fourth one? Uh, the fourth one was... I said Bellinger, Snell, Montgomery. There's the fourth guy. Hang on one second. Uh, Matt Chapman. Yeah, I don't know much about him. I don't know much about him. They'll all sign. They'll all sign sooner rather than later. But uh, and and you you only tell you where they're going? Yankees, Dodgers, Braves, and Blue Jays. That's my prediction. How about that? How, yeah. Let's see what I do. I, I'm I going out on a limb there. I'll just take Yankees and <laughs> yeah. Dodgers. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the uh, by the way, Bellinger should go back to the Cubs. I'm so, he should he was as much as I hate it because they're they're in the Pirates division. They were a good story. He's a good story. He 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 resurrected his career there. He should be with the he should sign with the Cubs. I wouldn't hate it, and I'm sure Taylor Dahl would love it as well. And finally, number eight, Florida last week won the meet at number 21, Georgia. This is, of course, gymnastics. Now Florida's ranked sixth, and tonight Florida plays host, if you can say that when it comes to gymnastics, uh, to Arkansas and Friday night heights, 730 Mm. tonight. I do have a question. I think you should ask the question that most people know is coming. By the way, Arkansas ranked 13th. Nobody knows what's coming. (laughs) I'm very intrigued to see where this question will be. How are we looking on the beam? Well, I've been kind of down on us on the beam, but we are fourth in the country. So maybe I should beam? be on the beam. So maybe I should be a little less harsh. Ranked but, four, uh, we're ranked fourth, fourth on the beam. Leanne Wong okay. had a, a bit of a scary attempt at her. Some people get up on the beam differently than others, and she uses this kind of like leaping table, and she did not get on the beam What's properly. Leanne Wong. Okay. She's good? She's very good, yeah. Olympics. It feels like good. the program is slipping. Yeah. <laughs> well, when Fourth Trinity Thomas beam. graduates, it is uh, mm-hmm. hard. And also, Kayla Vicello is going to participate in the Olympics. And I'm going to so start she's working on my hot board over the weekend. You know, all I know is we're fourth on the goddamn beam. I don't, <laughs> you know, okay. So, so there's that. Sounds good. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Uh, Rick Ballou is here. Fred, yeah. Freddie T did not get in. Were you surprised? What did you think of the group that did? No, I, I thought that he'd get in next year. So that's kind of been my uh, way with it the entire time. Uh, hearing a lot of this Marshawn Lynch and kind of a big splash, and that doesn't make any sense. I mean, Fred uh, Taylor is a much better football way, player. Way better player. Okay. Uh, than Marshawn. Lynch has got a little bit of a cult uh, yeah. following, which which may help, but I don't know if that have any bearing at all. Yeah, he, there, may be the more, there may be more awareness of him than Fred, yeah. but he wasn't nearly as good a player. I can't believe Antonio Gates did not get in. Yeah, that, I was completely that's, shocked. That's the buzz. By that. That's the buzz. I mean, seriously. They're, they're, I mean, usually we only want an explanation from like officials with yeah. a missed call. 
How did you miss on Antonio Gates? I mean, I thought him and Julius Peppers, two first-timers, I didn't even spend any time on him. I, I instead had, you know, the other 13 players um, to get three uh, from that list is is where I went. I ended up hitting two out of the three with uh, with Willis and, and, and Hester, but made no sense to me with Antonio Gates. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised about it as well. All right, what's coming up tonight? What are we doing? We got a lot of fun tonight. I got a couple of things I'm going to throw out uh, to our listeners, get the weekend cranked up. Another live report from the Philly Rooster. Uh, there's been a rumor that there's a, uh, a million-dollar bet on the cusp of being wagered Finally on Kansas City. All the big money wow. so far. Wow. The sharp money has gone on San Francisco. Money line, minus one. There's some talk. There's wow. going to be uh, a big play here by Casey, which could move the line, maybe a, a half point or a point or so. So we'll get that from um, uh, the Philly Rooster. And uh, just looking forward to it. We've got a lot of good things planned here to head towards what should be an outstanding weekend. Fun Super Bowl weekend. Rick, thanks. Thank you. Rick Ballou goes into the night, and that happens right now. Folks, that'll do it for our program. Have a fun Super Bowl weekend. I think it's going to be a great game. I am really excited about it. Chiefs and 49ers from Vegas. We'll be back Monday to talk about it. Same bat time, same bat channel. For Hayes, Falor, and for RJ. Oh, by the way, 11 o'clock Sunday, right, RJ? Yes. 11 o'clock Sunday on the radio station, the debut of RJ Talking NBA. Do not miss it. Great way to start your Super Bowl Sunday. We're out of here. For RJ Lauren and Hayes, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.